What's up, everyone? Welcome to Game Face episode 149, one episode away from the big 150. It's a shame this isn't 151 because we're talking about a brand new Pokemon game today yep. that has the original 151 Pokemon in the game. Uh, we actually have a lot of great stuff to get to in this episode. It is almost Thanksgiving. Uh, it's Tuesday night now. Most people are going to be watching this on Wednesday. Uh, and then obviously Thanksgiving is Thursday. So if you're America, traveling... America only. Yeah, America only. Uh, if you're traveling and you're taking us with you, travel safe. Well, United States only because America is also Canada. Yeah. And Canada had their Thanksgiving a month ago. Right. Yeah, it was like a month ago. Uh, but if you're taking us with you on your travels to see your family or your friends, have safe travels, have a great Thanksgiving, have a safe Thanksgiving. Um, we have some Thanksgiving-themed stuff in today's episode that's going to be fun. We're going to do our annual turkey awards, which we always do here on Game Face. Also, we are going to pick the winners of our Sifted T-shirt photo competition in this episode. So some big stuff. Uh, we also have some big games to discuss. So let's just get straight to it. Uh, the first topic we're going to discuss is not about a game in particular, though. But in my opinion, it is probably one of the biggest stories of this year, as far as the industry is concerned. And that is that Sony has decided to leave E3. Uh, one of the big three leaving entirely. So yeah, no side thing, no press conference, no, no not doing a Microsoft or an EA. Yeah, because so, a lot of people will say, oh, well, Microsoft left already. Te technically, mm -hmm. Microsoft has not left. It still does have a booth, which is basically just, just down the street. Yeah, it, I mean, it has a booth that's like a mixer booth where they do like a live stream from and stuff like that. And then right across the street, they have the full-on E3 experience that's going on during mm -hmm. E3. And EA left completely, but they have their EA Play thing that's going on in the same city you yeah. know, during the same period of time. But Sony clarified to, I think it was Game Informer, that uh, we're not activating that week. We are not doing a press conference. There will be no presence of Sony of any kind in the media that week. Yeah, it, it won't even be in Los Angeles at all. Like, they're just not showing up. Um, so we're losing one of the three pillars of E3 for the first time ever. Mm -hmm. So what are the implications of this, Matt? Um, well, first, the implication is that like I said about PSX being not being held, whatever Sony has to show next is directly tied to the PS5, and they are not ready to do that. Um, so part of that is clearly they don't feel like spending millions of dollars and paying that money to the uh, ESA for no good reason. Because um, if you have nothing to show, what are you going to do there? Um, and now you have the public coming, so if you have a disappointing show on the floor, you've disappointed all these people that paid to be there. Yeah. Um, in terms of what does, it mean, what does it mean to E3, uh, it seems to be just sort of the continuing irrelevance of, of the show as like kind of the one time during the year you can show all these big things off because you have such a direct connection now with the fan base and with your customer base, like you don't really need that anymore. And, and I think more and more, you know, it's clearly EA discovered that, although EA also pulling out is similar in the sense that they don't, have that much to show so why spend that kind of money if you don't have to because i still i bet that still even renting their own venue and doing all, all what they did for able i bet that still costs less probably so. because you're when you so just so you guys know when you decide to get a location at e3 and you pay that huge flat fee i mean even back when i was working at game trailers 
and we had our little dinky booth, we were spending like 200K for that little like 15 foot by 15 foot space. Like the first year where we were just kind of jammed in at the end, I think that was 2006 or yeah, 2006, we were up by like the Starbucks in the food court mm. and they still charged us almost 100K for that little spot there. So when you pay that big flat amount, all that money isn't going to the convention center. The ESA is skimming a large portion of that cash off oh, the top. Oh, not even that, because the, the word is that, the, that LA charges them a dollar for the convention center because it brings so much money into downtown. A dollar. So ESA is making all the money. Pretty much. That, wow. So that, that's the that's the rumor. That's the word. I've never heard that. That's the word on the street. Uh, anyway, in, in the LA governmental scene that I've heard is like they get a huge break. This, something similar happens with the San Diego Convention Center for Comic Con. Like it's so important to the local economy that they basically give them the venue for for essentially free. But you have money has to change hands for it to be a transaction. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like how CEOs pay themselves a dollar a year sometimes. The timing could not be worse for the ESA for this to happen. First, as we, we've mentioned, they kind of lost Microsoft and kind of lost EA. At least they're in the, the ecosphere of E3. But like you just mentioned, now that fans are allowed to come, the show needs to be more than what it is to get mm. fans to go. We're going to go no matter what. It's our jobs to go and cover the industry. But... When you're trying to convince somebody, and I don't know if you remember, but we did like an interview with like a ton of people that had flown in from E3 at this past E3, and there were people that had come from all over the world and spent thousands of dollars to go there. If you're trying to convince somebody to do that and spend a huge chunk of change, not just to get there, but once they get there on the tickets to get in, how do you do that when PlayStation isn't there anymore? Yep. Like, you, like the, the, the number one console in the industry is not going to show up. I think the publishers are getting sick of the ESA. I think so. I think it's funny that I would say if there's one thing, you know, even with the, the in the wake of the crossplay, you know, dispute, if there's one thing that could bring Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo to agreement at a table, it would be we are tired of giving the ESA all this damn money. And the problem for the ESA is this is how it makes all its money for yeah. the entire year. I can definitely minus private donations, which aren't that much. Like we gave right. them a big check at E3 uh, as part of our Patreon, but that's just a drop in the bucket compared to what yeah. they get from the public. E3 is the entire budget for the ESA. If mm -hmm. it, if they don't have E3 and a successful E3, they don't have an organization. Yeah, you are rapidly approaching E for all status with this show. If these major players keep pulling out the way they are. Also, don't forget that, was it two weeks ago, the head of the ESA resigned? Mm -hmm. Which leads me to believe that it knew that this was coming already. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, I mean, can you keep your job as the head of the ESA when Sony bails on yeah. your one moneymaker for the entire That's year? It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And they like... And the, the thing is, like you, you know, we found out about this. Basically, it was like buried in, a, in an ESA press release. Yeah. About like, oh, by the way, thinking <laughs> right, thinking that it would be overlooked. There's no way that's going to no. be overlooked. Like this was not like, and it, and they did it on the the anniversary of the PlayStation 4's release, which was even funnier. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that wasn't planned or anything, but like, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's bad news. I mean, I don't think E3 is never going away. E3 will always be 
what it originally was supposed to be, which is a place for publishers and developers and retailers to kind of meet and hawk wares and make deals and, and basically and talk. convince GameStop to buy Pretty X much. amount of copies yeah. and of Walmart their games. and yeah. Target and yeah. all. You know, that's that's what it's for. That's what it always it's always been for that. And so uh, when you talk about E3 dying, what you're talking about is the media circus surrounding it dying down to a dull roar. So it's not really, you know, it's not. I, the, I think Dull Roar might even be a little off. So, it, so it's not the Super Bowl anymore. It's more of a, you know, it, it kind of fades down to sort of equal importance with things like TGS or Gamescom. The interesting part about it, though, at least from a journalist perspective, is if E3 becomes more closed off and it becomes more industry oriented, like you said, it goes back to what it was originally intended for. Or what most industry expos are, right. frankly. No, you're right. I mean, this is not a thing exclusive to the game industry. This, almost every major uh, industry does this in some form. It's just for gaming, it became this weird kind of mecca thing. Well, it's because people care. Yeah. It's like, who's, who cares about a convention for right. like, Auto, automotive glass or, well, like, well, like, or yeah, like, 99% of the conventions that I mean, happen in Vegas. Usually the week before E3, normally the uh, the National Dentists Expo right. happens. Yeah. It's, it's like dental tools. Yeah. It's like, you know, there, there, there are, I mean, okay, I'm sure there are enthusiast press sites for dental tools, <laughs> but not on the level of what video That's the next have. channel we're going to launch on Sifted. <laughs> Drilled with no, no E. <laughs> but, uh, the implications of this to me are huge because it's one thing when EA leaves, which was a huge third party, but when a platform holder, and not just a platform holder, but the platform yeah. holder. I mean, let's be honest. There's no bigger platform right now than PlayStation. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, you're, you're getting down to like, you know, if Microsoft pulls out a little more and Sony's gone, maybe Nintendo expands a bit, all of a sudden E3 is Spaceland. Space World. Space yeah. World, yeah. <laughs> In the US. But what, you've got like... You know, they've got them, and you've got Yubi, and you've got Bethesda, and you've got Atlas Sega. Yeah. That's basically spa what Bandai Space World Namco. would be. That's like, yeah. it's all, those are all companies that routinely... Would have gone to Space routine, World. Would have gone to Space World, routinely support Nintendo now. Yeah. Like, you're, it's basically Space World. It's, I mean, it's starting to get that way. Because even you start thinking about other companies that left in the past, like Konami, which doesn't show yeah. up anymore. I mean... Well, Konami is their own right. thing. Yeah. Maybe if there was a pachinko wing, we might get them back. <laughs> and... Don't but rule look, it out. But look, if this show keeps going down this path, yeah. there might be a Pachinko wing. Um, Mac, what do you think has contributed to this happening? What do you think is the cause of this? I mean, you already mentioned you don't think Sony has a lot to show, but most publishers throughout the years for certain shows don't have a lot to show, and they don't bail completely. Well, I think, I mean, part of it is I think Sony recognizes that the transition between generations this time is going to be weird. Yeah. And they seem to have their own plan for that. Uh, and apparently E3 isn't necessarily part of it. Um, you know, maybe they look, you know, they're showing this year, while they showed a lot of good stuff, like their press conference was weird and awkward and sort of... It was weird. Underwhelming to, to a lot of people. And maybe they knew, maybe they kind of looked at themselves honestly and were like, if we do, try to do this again, we're just going to be disappointing. So let's not do it at all. Um, or maybe it was a perspective of these people don't appreciate anything. That could also be part of it. I mean, you can't ever rule out. So I mean, one thing I will you say. You can't ever rule out arrogant Sony. I mean, one thing you, I could say is that, you know, it looked like they put a good bit of work into what they tried yeah. to do at E3 last year. It just fell flat. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it comes down to cost versus what they're going to spend to show what they need to show, versus their interest in controlling the message and not getting lost in the in the in the noise. Um, 
And, you know, the fact that, like, you don't really need to come to this once-a-year big expo thing to have direct messaging opportunity to the public. Like, it doesn't... Live streaming has kind of changed everything. Yeah, it just doesn't work that way anymore. My main concern... And uh, we started it. It's like, when we started live streaming the press conferences way back when, that was the first step towards where we are now. Yeah. Yeah, like the... And, it, you know, even when we were broadcasting them live, it was like, you on know, television. finally, we've brought this in your living room and you can see that. But, like, once it became democratized to the point of everyone can do it. Yep. And it became to the point that anyone with a camera, you know, because we used to walk around, you know, we used to be the only one of three camera crews in that hall. Yeah. It was us, it was Vic Lucas, and it was like CNN. Yep. You know, we're rolling around the cart the size of a, of a, of a love <laughs> seat with bus, all these yeah. giant beta cam thing. You yeah. know, no one, you know, we couldn't Pelican get, couldn't get through places. Like scan it was, converters. And eventually you started seeing people, oh, look at the, look, everybody's got the, they got the monopods with the little, little, little camera. Oh, and then the GoPro showed up and then everybody's got a camera and then everybody's got a phone with a camera that's live streaming from the floor and it's just, it's a, it became a totally different thing. But the, the trick is if you can do that from E3, you can do it anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. Anytime. Like there's, you know, and you've got, you know, influencers on the level of ninja that can reach that many people on a daily basis in like two minutes yeah um, <laughs> literally it's like let me just fire up my stream and reach two million people and not and not not for nothing that the you know like a like a press conference that gets that many eyeballs on it is important yeah but you know it used to be that you needed to kind of ride on the hype of e3 to get people to be aware that oh there's this sony thing to t- tune into but now i think sony can just tweet out that we're going to do this thing at this time on this day and you'll get that many eyeballs anyway well they could say it's tomorrow yeah and it'll be fine and like so because you and only one of those like and only on one phone. of those and only one of those situations requires you to pay millions of dollars to the esa yeah millions. which one do you pick yeah exactly you know and you're also you have better control over your message yep. when you're not a part of some big other. I mean, look, I sadly I can understand why Sony's done it. Yeah, and I also think they might be looking at Nintendo and how Nintendo really didn't lose anything when they stopped doing those big press conferences and switched to the direct model. No, it's true, and I wonder too. Nintendo now has a lot of leverage mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, well, we're the last one left yeah. here. So are you going to give us a price cut? Because if you don't, we're on the way out yeah. too. What are you doing with that space over there? We could, you know, Nintendo. You know, their their booth was pretty Spartan last last yeah. year, but you know they if they get a lot more space to work with at a good price, that you know they they did up that that booth crazy for Mario Odyssey and for Breath of the Wild. It was amazing yeah. with the best visual on the floor, frankly. Yeah, absolutely, like you let them do that and, and kind of fill that space out that Sony used to be in and make it still look like a big big event. Like Nintendo could save your optics doing that. So yeah, I would say Nintendo. Has a has an has a, probably had a real interesting phone call the last couple of weeks. Now, one thing I will say is that while I do understand the logic and the thinking behind Sony doing this, I don't necessarily agree with it because. And look, this is like the, the dreamer in me or the idealist in me, but to me, I feel like all the publishers, particularly big publishers, have, owe a little bit of something to give back to the industry because. Look, if the industry's biggest event of the year, which probably now it's not, it's going to be Gamescom, but this up until now has been the biggest event of the year. And you wonder too if Sony's going to go to Gamescom or if this mm-hmm. is just an E3 thing. It'll be interesting to see how that all I think it all out. depends when they decide to, you know, kick off their PS5 messaging. Yeah. Like this is what this is is I don't think they have if they go any further in terms of showing their schedule and their plans 
they, they have to mention PS5 because it's too integral to everything. It's possible. I think we might see a very, you know, I think Sony's schedule is pretty well built for 2019, but in terms of like really new stuff, I think we might be seeing Sony run-ins pretty silent until 2020. It's true, but I feel like Sony owes at least a little something to the industry. And if, if you don't want to say the industry at large, then what about the third parties that put all the money in yeah, Sony's pockets? That's the only because, thing. Because think about it. If Sony isn't there, then less people go. Then less people get exposed to the products across the board. So if you're a third party publisher and you're like, wait a minute, Sony's pulling out. We have this big, maybe you have an exclusive for PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden all the PlayStation fans aren't coming to E3 and you're, you need to go because it's really your only chance to promote your game. You're getting left out in the cold. So well, to me, that it's case, a very you... selfish move. I understand why it's being Well, in that case, made. Sony would have to make up for financially what that com- that developer feels like they're missing out on because Sony has to support that because if you're a PlayStation exclusive Sony is probably financially involved with you in some way so f- so Sony will be able to recom- recom- recompense them for that I don't think that's the right word um, reconcile recon- yeah, they'll, they'll be able to to, to to they'll be able to make it right with that particular company if you're the problem with a third party you know that because I feel like that's your big loss as a third party is like Sony's live stream is where you got to see everything. Is absolutely. Um, I mean, that's that's what we. Curated. So if I'm a multi-platform person, I'm like, well, I better call Microsoft, frankly, because um, yeah. that's where your opportunity is. Uh, so the two big losses for like kind of like the smaller indie, small not indie necessarily, but smaller third-party companies is you no longer have Sony's live stream and you no longer have Sony's press conference, yeah. which I know didn't really matter this year because they cut everybody it's an out of it. First party, yeah. But in previous years. Uh, you know, Sony was a big showcase for yeah. a lot of stuff you didn't see. Well, yeah, you'd else. have several million people watching this press conference, and you can it make a big difference. I mean, you know, there's that uh, stupid uh, indie thing with the like the Blade Runner style future. What if like the 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 indie game with like the pixel art, the Last Night or something like that, or. It was it was shown at Microsoft's press conference like two or three years ago, and it sounds pretty dumb because the actual dystopian element of it is what if feminism won. Which is stupid, but everybody knows that game from oh, absolutely that press conference. Who would, who would like, know what Below is if it weren't for E3? Well, Below is an exclusive too, so like that even is more of a parallel. Um, there are people that expect Below to shadow drop during uh, oh, really? Game Awards. It could know? happen. I mean, it, who knows? It it won't. <laughs> I, I, I'm betting it won't. I don't know what the hell Below is doing, but it ain't coming out. Let's tell you that much. <laughs> So, look, there, there are ripple effects uh, all across the industry because of this. And ultimately, I do feel like Sony hasn't really thought about its business partners or its fans. It, it's a very selfish move. And it's also kind of surprising to me that, that if, in, in fact, it was a financial consideration, that Sony would be making a decision like this based upon money. It's like it's made more money than God over the last five years off the PlayStation 4. It's like... Yeah, but at a certain point, it just means we, we hammer this all the time. These companies are not your friends. They're not. You're right. And they're not the ESA's friend either. This probably is the clearest example yeah. ever of exactly. what we've talked about for years. On I the mean, Game everyone's E3 is going to be a little more boring because yeah. of this. I mean, you know, just thinking about how we handle E3 when, you know, curating just thousands and thousands or sifting through thousands and thousands of pieces of content to ultimately deliver around a thousand by the time E3 is over. But we rely on Sony's live stream for a lot of the mm-hmm. gameplay that we end up curating. And it's a very comprehensive live stream. Oh, yeah. And they have more live demos than all the other stages. And they've shows. got all the weird Japanese stuff that doesn't go to because the other companies. Because people want to go like, to Sony's stage. Yeah. So it, it's, 
everything is thrown into a tizzy now. How, how percentage-wise, how many less people do you think, as far as fans, will go because of the fact that PlayStation's not there? Do you no, think the majority are probably Nintendo fans? I think I think it's mostly Nintendo yeah. fans. Yeah. People who are dedicated enough to spend that kind of money to travel, in my opinion, typically are the Nintendo folks. I mean, I think it's it's uh, there's, there are a lot of PlayStation fans there. Yeah. But um, most of the people I see walking around the pub with the, with the blue badges, most yep. of the blue badges I see, it's are, the scarlet letter. Are wearing po- <laughs> are wearing Pokemon stuff Hats or wearing or Mario yeah. stuff or like, I mean, it's, or it's, it's just standing in line at Nintendo's booth. Which also makes you know, I mean, but it also makes sense because Nintendo is frankly the only one of the major publishers that still puts on a show. Yeah. You know, well, like, like when I went to interview, like I was people happy who paid to go there. Yeah. I went to Nintendo's booth. Right. Well, I mean, I was like, I mean. I'm not a crazy Nintendo fan or anything, but like I like like the Breath of the Wild booth is one of the coolest things I've seen at E3 in the last ten years. Yeah. Like, Unfortunately, a lot of people never even saw it. Yeah, because it's it hard like, to get into. But yeah. like, but I'm like, this is amazing. It was amazing. It like was, it looked incredible. Yeah. It was like yeah. the it was like, and also because it was so hard to get into, it was one of the quietest and most like relaxing <laughs> places to be in the entire floor, which but is like, hard to find. At E3. But so was the Mario Odyssey. Yeah, like th- oh, that was great too. Like I mean. It, it was it's Nintendo's booth, not this year because it was it was just sort of a standard red and white thing because they didn't have a ton this year yeah. because it was this year. Um, but Sony was but, good about creating a place for people to hang out. Yeah, this but you year. can tell Sony was a little disengaged yeah. uh, in the sense like, well, you know, because in previous years, part of it is because of layout because like you know they use the same layout that they have forever for for the last years. Um, which just it just got crammed with people because it wasn't designed to handle that many people at once. Yeah. Um, so this year they it was like one side was this giant bank of like must have been fifty or sixty Spider-Man stations, um, and then the other side was this giant live stream stage, and there was a little kiosk for Black Ops Four, and then the rest was just sitting area yeah. for people to for sit on soft there. soft carpet, which yeah. was nice. Yeah. Um, I they went, had a lot of people laying there yeah, on the floor. It was, yeah. Um, it was not as crowded as you might think, but it did. The most crowded I ever saw it was uh, for Death Stranding. Yeah. Which because uh, Kojima was there on stage. Matt, uh, do you think but, now that they could fit all of E three into one hall? Um. Hmm, no, probably not. It's close. They're getting there, but it's like, almost there. If you cut out like kind of like the one hall was um, becoming more and more sort of like weird side products. So like I'd you know there was the I can never remember which one is which. Um. So so. Okay. So. Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft were are their South Hall. Right. Right. Yeah. So West Hall. With the loss of Konami and EA and Activision and Microsoft uh, and Microsoft, like that last this year was basically like almost a third of it was like this weird just empty. Fly- space. It was it was like stuff that would have been in Kensha Hall back yeah, in the back day. in the day. Yeah. Um. So I mean, yeah, you're getting there. Like if because uh, you figure out of that one hall, you'd have to convince some of the other third parties to shrink their booths substantially. But you you are getting to the point where you could fit it all in the South Hall. Because if you think about the West Hall, it's lost. Microsoft, which is still there, but literally its booth is about the size of this room now. Yeah, it's really small. It it's lost, just a little, like kind of almost a little stage and, and, a, and a meeting room. Yep, it lost EA, lost Activision. Mm-hmm. Those are all were all gigantic booths. Yeah, but you gigantic. can also, you can also see like you can see Activision pulling out the last couple of years too because once the booth just becomes a big block. That you can only get into if you have a meeting. Yeah. Like, why are it's you basically there? going away. Why are you you're, you're on your way out. Because that was what Konami did the last couple of years, yeah. too. It's like, why why wouldn't you just book some meeting rooms in a hotel? Right. Instead of paying the ESA 
all this money. And sure enough, a lot of that, I mean, that happened this year and especially last year, but both years, you know, more and more people were, you know, the press people were getting their demos of these games in the Marriott, yep. the hotel next yeah. door, because like you couldn't do it on the floor. You know, it's, it's the, the show is changing. The show is, you know, not to do the opening monologue of the Lord of the Rings, but like, you know, the, the world is changing. I could feel it in the water. Yeah. And uh, the water costs five bucks a bottle. Yeah. And people are sick of that shit. Yeah. So um, it doesn't, I mean, it, I think even when we talked about kind of the E3, you know, every before E3, we have the E3 relevance discussion. And I'm pretty sure this year you even said like matter of time, you know, with Microsoft lowering their, lowering their participation level on the actual floor, I think you pretty much said it's a matter of time before one of the big three pulls yeah. out completely. And here we are. Yeah, here we are. Did I think that was going to be Sony? No, I really didn't. No, I, I thought, didn't either. I thought Nintendo would do for, would go first. Well, I think so. I thought Microsoft because it had already taken... Well, they're already halfway... It, to, but, it had already put one in, foot out the door. But in terms of like a, the company that would make the leap to say, we don't need this, I thought that would be Nintendo. Yeah. Um, because his fans are... Because Nintendo doesn't really need it. Yeah, it like, doesn't need it. I mean, it. Yeah. it's nice that they put on a big show for the people who pay to go now. Yeah. But would they lose anything if they just pulled out and like rented out like another another you know location Probably and not. just did that like I, I think too in the last year the esa has appeared a little weak it hasn't in a lot of cases stood up for the right things or stood up at the right time mm -hmm. for a lot of things and when you're paying the esa to do that they're really function. good at not letting people into e3 with valid press passes. Right, though. absolutely. They're great at that. So I feel like the ESA has kind of fallen out of favor a little bit across the industry. And when you start thinking about it, you're like, all this money is going into their pockets to basically fund their entire year of operations. For uh, what? For what? Exactly. If you're not going to stand up and do the right things for the industry the way that you should be, then what are we paying you all this money yeah. for? So, Like, I think it would be a much more black and white, clear cut uh, decision by Sony in terms of like, oh, do they owe this or should they be, if the public wasn't being let in. Yep. Like, I feel like that's that's kind of the two, the that's two the rub. parts that are like unfortunate or too bad is like, well, people that would want to see that don't get to see it even if they're paying to go. And a lot of the third, you know, third parties that don't have an exclusivity deal with Sony are kind of left out in the cold in terms of exposure unless they can, that's a weird mix of metaphors, exposure and left out in the cold. That's because that's bad. <laughs> It's but, crazy um, just watching this B-roll, though, by the way. Because this B-roll goes back... Sam, is that the 2015, the oldest B-roll yeah. for E3? So this is 17. That's two years ago, or one so year ago. think about... Two E3s ago. Yeah, so just think about how much this has... It has changed already. Yeah, from it doesn't look like that anymore. From 17 to 8... Oh, no, not at all. Like, this is a spectacle. It's not really a spectacle anymore. When you walk in there... There wasn't really any masses of people that like that this year no. at all except nope. like in line for nintendo sure right. but like th like this i never ran into this this year it wasn't that crowded so i mean looking at this b-roll it, it's it kind of is a very clear example of how the show has just been declining for several years in a row now and i'm sure the writing was on the wall for playstation and look these publishers have all the data they have all the metrics they know exactly how much e3 hurts them or helps them and they use that data to make this decision, believe mm -hmm. me. And they took, I'm sure they took the fans into account and everything we've talked about into I'm sure account. They, I'm sure they took the third parties into yep. account, And too. it decided ultimately that it wasn't worth it. Yep. So to me, that's a clear indictment on the lack of effectiveness at E3 at this point. And I wonder, too, if there's just so much signal noise and signal loss that it's become so hard to cut through all the clutter. I, I mean, think it's like I said, like we, by the time we finish E3, we have almost a thousand pieces of content from E3. Mm -hmm. I think the main thing is like 
they you know the, the major companies are finally kind of coming around to the realization that like you don't need this you can create your own like big you know news event just by announcing it own. and putting your own thing out. like you don't need it like all you you don't need to pay millions of dollars to do this e3 show all you need to do is pay a social media guy to to run your thing properly and message stuff out produce a direct you know a nintendo direct for sony or whatever and boom like what's the difference yeah you had mentioned before we started recording that the publishers maybe get together and just do their own event and cut the esa out yeah that's the one thing i think is like i think the the presence of like a a platform agnostic event is valuable like i because uh, for everyone because like you know say someone who normally wouldn't think about picking up a playstation you know through e3 gets exposed to spider-man and they're like oh i love spider-man i need that um, that's a good thing. Like, you know, or someone who normally only does PlayStation uh, sees through the Nintendo, you know, showing at E3, uh, Pokemon Let's Go. And they're like, you know, maybe they haven't played Pokemon since Red and Blue, but they love Red and Blue, and it just triggers something like, oh, I need a Switch because I want to play that game I used to love in this new form. Yeah. Like, that's a valid thing, that crossover Absolutely, element of yeah. a platform agnostic. So I, it wouldn't shock me to see, like I said, the three of them get together and say, like, what if we all just did our own thing together and cut out this ESA bullshit, and because they could also that. get the hall for one dollar. Sure, yeah, they it's could. not just the ESA that's getting that deal. Anybody could get that deal if if the if the mm-hmm. hall believes they can bring in enough people to offset the cost of the rental. Yeah, and like that's the other question is like as E three um, morphs or shrinks or does whatever it's going to do, uh, the effect on LA downtown LA which which gets a whole I mean that E3 is a huge revenue source oh yeah for them. absolutely it's not on the level of like San Diego Comic Con which I believe is responsible for 33% of downtown San Diego's summer revenue totally believe which it. is totally believe crazy it. Yep. but like E3 comes to town people renting out theaters people renting out meeting places people renting out uh, restaurants there's events hey, in all these clubs I only go to downtown I mean, LA huge. if I'm going to like a hockey game at, at Staples hmm. Center I don't go to downtown LA otherwise, but that week I spend hundreds of dollars yep. in downtown LA. And, and that's just for parking. That's what, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly what LA stands to lose if this show yeah. goes away. So it could get to there a point. There are a lot of interests tied up Absolutely. in this Absolutely. It could get to a point where if it gets really sad, the city of LA starts to jump in and it's like, hey, we yeah. can't lose this revenue. This is keeping us afloat. Yeah. So it could get really, really tangled and complicated. I don't think it would... I would guess adding the public to the to E3 has made it even more lucrative, at yep. least for the hotel business in the area. I don't think it'll ever go back to that weird year where it was in that airplane hangar in Santa no, Monica. No, I don't think we're ever going back to 2007. They learned their lesson. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever go back to there, but I think it, it's starting to show the signs that E3 had back when they did go to the hangar. Mm. Like, it was just... It was starting to get a little weak. It was starting to get a little misguided. Um, and publishers were starting to question whether it was all worth it, and then they didn't have it, or they did have it, but it was in Santa Monica and all weird, and then the publishers were like, oh my God, we're not doing this again. And I think a lot of that, too, was perception. When you have the USA Todays and the CNNs and all these major networks coming in to cover your stuff, and it's sad, (laughs) I mean, I remember on social media, like a lot of the older people in the industry, heck, now I'm one of them, but... Back then, I wasn't one of them, but the senior people in the industry were going on like Facebook and stuff and saying things like, this is a travesty. This is an embarrassment. I had people coming in from China and all these places, and the show was just abysmal. I mean, that show was sad. 
that that happened in Santa Monica. If you came from anywhere from around the world and went to that, you were like, wait a minute, this is the marquee event for one of the biggest entertainment industries in the world? That's it. it so I think perception plays into a little bit, but I just think Sony just doesn't seem like it cares. It, it doesn't seem like Sony feels like it owes anything to anyone. Yeah, it's just well, like, this is our business. We're going to run it the way we want to. And if we want to cut costs and not do E3 for whatever reason, we're going to do it and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Well, I, you know, at this point, it's hard to say they're wrong. Yeah. They might be wrong. It's like I said, but... financially, I can totally understand why they did it. But I think that there are more entanglements to this than just, hey, we're going to save $5 million this year. Yeah, but some... $5 million is like a drop in the bucket to yeah, the PlayStation. Yeah, but somebody, somebody had to walk away from it first. Yeah. And there must have been a good reason. Um, I think, and I think it's a perfect storm of becoming less. The, the whole thing's becoming less relevant. You can control your own message any time of the year, whenever you want. They don't have anything that's going to be ready to show in June that would that would you know warrant an E three presentation. And you know what good is the ESA doing them at this point? Like I think you've just got so many things piled up all at once that Sony seems to have found it was you know the the right call was just to say like you know what we're just gonna not be there this year. Maybe they'll maybe maybe that's only for one year. We yeah, don't I mean know. that's the other question: is it just a one year thing, or do you think this is permanent? I don't know. I think it's permanent. I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't be willing to make that call yet. I mean, because the the trick here is like I think the leverage rests with them. Like it, because it, presumably, I mean, can you imagine like if if you know as you're planning for E three twenty twenty. And Sony comes to ESA and it's like, oh, okay, we'd like to be in E3 this year. Is ESA going to say no to that? I don't think so. I mean, presumably, Sony was playing hardball. I'm assuming yeah. it said, look, we're planning on not coming. But if you can cut us a break on the floor space, then maybe we'll consider it. Do a Microsoft-style thing. And I'm guessing that the ESA and Sony could never come to an agreement. So... Which makes me feel less bad about the interactions I've had with them. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, if Sony can't make any freaking headway. So, then... if presuming that that took place, which I think it's pretty safe to say it did take yeah, place. Pure and speculation, but it does. It feels like you must have had meetings about this. I mean, this, if you right? know the industry or you work in any industry, that's how things work. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like a coincidence that the head of the ESA resigns right before this is revealed. Absolutely. Maybe a part of the negotiations. Maybe he bombed the negotiations and Who knows? stood strong when he shouldn't have. Or maybe nothing could have stopped them from leaving. Right, and, but the fact but, that knowing but that's still stuff, something that that would be blamed on. Right, you but knowing leader. that all this stuff absolutely happened at some point, and Sony still decided to leave, to me that doesn't yeah. bode well. Well, then for, also the other question that raises is, what does Sony know? Right, like it makes you wonder, like, well, was it because of all that, or was it because there's something that's going to happen in this upcoming E3 that Sony was like, no, we're not going to be it's part possible. of that. It's possible. Who knows? Possible. Yeah. As, as this thing morphs. As I they, think as we'll they find desperately out morph this show to try to stay relevant and try to stay and be something that people want to pay money to come travel and see, like who knows who, what they're who they're going to alienate that's expecting this to be a certain thing and it becomes something else. I'm sure Jason Schreier is on this story right. Oh now. yeah, right now we, he is sitting somewhere talking on the phone researching. He is Schreier to and Klepek are like all over this. They're show. battling. Yeah. They're like who's going to break the story? So. I have a very strong feeling that we're going to find out exactly what happened and exactly why it happened. But until then, it's fun to speculate. Yeah. All right, let's maybe, move on. Maybe not as much fun to watch E3 next year. <laughs> That's true. It's absolutely true. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Fallout 76. And uh, as you guys know, I'm, I, tried, I try to never be afraid to admit that I'm wrong. 
Um, mm. Usually, if I if I end up being wrong about something, I'll come on the show and I'll say I was wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, Fallout 76 is one of those examples. Um, so I played the beta and I enjoyed it a good bit. And I came on Game Face and I said, "Hey, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. If you're a Fallout fan, you might want to at least investigate it." And I said, Pfft. "Yeah, you did." And I did not tell you to buy it, which I no. feel a little bit better about. I did not say go out and buy the game. Um, and then I started playing. But you did say you'd pay 60 bucks for it. I did. You're absolutely right. I specifically asked you that. You're right. You did. And uh, I didn't tell anyone else to spend 60 bucks, <laughs> though. That's the difference. Um, and now I'm glad that I got sent the game for free. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, because what I've discovered with Fallout 76 is that it puts on a good face for the first handful of hours. And then after that... It is just, it's, I don't even know if it goes downhill, it just never goes uphill. It's, what I experienced in the first handful of hours playing that beta, it never changes. Mm-hmm. You, f- you eventually fight more powerful creatures in the game, but the actual design of the game never changes. And so I played the beta on Xbox One, and I played that for five or six hours, and then I got the final version on PS4, and I've played that now for, I don't know, probably 15 hours, something like that. And I have no interest in playing that game anymore. In fact, after I got to like the 10 hour mark, doubled what I had played before, because I had to play through the whole stuff I had played already, yeah. and I had to replay it. Once I played another five hours past that, I had very little interest in going back to this. And I think probably. What turned me off the most about it is that once you kind of get through the honeymoon phase with the game after the first few hours, it becomes all about base building. And that was a part of Fallout 4, Mm -hmm. but it was like a part of it that I only kind of experimented with and fiddled with. It also was a part you could easily ignore. Ignore. And that's not the case with Fallout 76. Mm -hmm. Your constructions are a huge part of the game. Taking the wrong lesson from Fortnite, boys. Well, yeah, except that you don't build this on the fly. It's like this thing that you build, and then it's supposed to stay there. But if while you're gone, somebody else comes and puts their thing down on the same piece of land, yours gets boxed up and put kind of in a container somewhere. So when you come back, you can put it back down somewhere else. But what I found is that when I come back to put my place down, it's not the same. Mm. There are things missing from my camp like objects that i crafted and built and put in place are gone um also like when you build your base on a piece of land it's like the land isn't perfectly flat so you allocate for dips and or little downhill slopes or whatever when you get your your uh, encampment back the c-a-m-p back i don't know why they've decided to call it that it's uh, fallout has a history of cutesy four-letter acronyms acronyms yeah and uh so your gecko yeah exactly so when you get it back you don't have that same piece of land to put it on and like everything doesn't line up and it gets very fidgety Mm. trying to get it to adhere to this new piece of land that isn't exactly the same that's weird it seems like that's kind of basic functionality stuff no matt that and that's the problem with this game but it does not handle basic functionality i've not had as many bugs as other people have had. I've had bugs, but not as many as others. Like, my, I haven't had any bugs where I had to go back and play huge chunks of the game. That's happening to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I've, I had a bug where I died, and it never, it, the prompt came up to respawn, but it never became active. 
And so I walked away and left the game playing on my TV. I'm like, maybe it's just trying to sort things out. And 20 minutes from now, the button will be coming. I went back. It did not. I ended up losing everything. So when you die in the game, a little box is deposited on the ground that holds all your stuff. And you have to go back and get it. Mm. And when that happened, when I died, for whatever reason, the code got all screwy and it never left the box. Hmm. So I lost everything that I had been carrying. Um, the game is just littered with little stuff like that. Just these little quirks or bugs or issues that after you keep playing it for a long time, it just starts to add up. And so while I'm playing this, I'm comparing it to Destiny. Because to me, that should be the fair comparison. I mean, yeah. they're similar games. Um, I've played a ton of Destiny. And so just kind of inevitably... Open world-ish, like yeah. run around, mingle player, shooter. Public like, events yeah. happening on the fly. And honestly, I think the biggest problem with this game, with being designed the way it is, is that there's just not enough people per server. It was like 32? Yeah. Mm. And the world is just so big. Like, mm. these public events happen. I had better luck in the beta getting people <laughs> to, to play public events with me. And I think that's probably because people haven't bought the game or whatever when it was free, they were mm -hmm. willing to try it. But now it's like a public event pops up. You're by yourself. It's you fighting like eight mutants, and they hit you like twice and you die. I... I'm having, like, no fun with this game, Matt. Like, none. Like, there are a few moments here and there, like, some of the discovery in the game is kind of cool and gives you a little bit of that Fallout vibe, but then you actually get close to everything and it looks so god-awful. You know, they're saying that they're going to keep using this engine for Elder Scrolls Six and Starfield. This is one of the ugliest games I've played in a long time, and I talked about that when pretty. I played the beta. I mean... It looks good from far away at times. Yeah, I don't know what they mean about. I mean, I know like they Kotaku ran the thing about how like you know complaining about the engine is the wrong complaint or whatever. Um, it was, it's kind of a shorthand for just like these games seem primitive now, and whether they're talking about you know okay we're using the same engine but we're cludging together another update of the engine like they did for for what they're using here. Yeah. Because um, it's still you know at the core of it is still Gamebryo. Um, whatever they call it now, uh, creation engine or something like yeah. that. Um, and I'm sure, you know, they definitely was an upgrade with Skyrim. You know, once you saw Skyrim, I'm like, oh, wow, it looks way better than Oblivion or Fallout 3. And I'm sure whatever they do to it for Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 will look better than this. But, God, I hope so. But you're still going to deal with the underlying things that this thing, this engine just can't do or whatever their tech they're using just can't do. Um, you wonder what they're doing to try to, like, up the stakes in terms of combat. Because yeah, that's really where they fall short. Is like nothing feels good to shoot or to swing. Yeah, it's passable. Yeah, that's it. It's like oh, it, it's not awful. Yeah, and it was. But it one, doesn't feel good. And it was one thing when like the Bethesda open world stuff was sort of the only game in town in terms of delivering that. Yeah. But like everybody does that now. Yeah, and it and all now, works and a lot Bethesda's better than this. Fallen behind. Yeah. yeah, I mean they were the ones that started it. Even and their own they've shit. They've been like, lapped. Look at Rage Two. Yeah. Like, that's about to come out, and it looks way better. Than, I mean, it's, it it's a post-apocalyptic, shooting, crazy, comedy, awesome, like, open-world game from the same publisher, and it looks way better than I'm this. I'm starting to think Bethesda needs to reallocate its franchises to the to other studios. Or at least talk, have, like, a couple meetings with it or something. Like, what's going on? I don't know, man. But this game, is to me, is really depressing. Really, really depressing I mean, on so many levels. It's like, so at first the story, the lack of a story didn't bother me that much. But again, like in the first five hours, it wasn't a big deal. But as the game starts to literally just grind along, 
There's, there's nothing to break it up. There's nothing to provide those peaks and valleys that I talk about all the time with, that the best games have. It's just this steady, long grind, and it's very easy to stumble into enemies that you shouldn't be messing with, even though it's the, the quest that the game gives you. It says, go here. You go there, and there's some mutant defending the objective that's like 15 levels more powerful than you. You're like, well, crap. And you turn around and walk away and it shoots you once and kills you. Like the whole thing. And then, so anyway, back to the story. It's like, I was okay reading logs for five hours. After five hours, I'm, I was sick of reading logs. And the other part about it too is that the story is all told in past tense. So mm -hmm. you're discussed, basically you're just reading logs of people who died. They're people who came before you or weren't allowed to go into the vault because they weren't smart enough or rich enough or whatever. And you're just reading stories of these pathetic people who were left to die in a nuclear holocaust. There's no levity involved. It's everyone's just bummed out and depressed because <laughs> they're, well, they're about to die. Mm -hmm. They've been stuck out in the wilderness while other people got to go inside. So it's just very depressing. Like you just hear these retellings of I tried to save my daughter and I lost. I lied on top of her when the blast hit, but she like it burned off both her arms. Just this horrible like these stories. It's like there's no motivation yeah. to play the game because everything just bums you out. Believable stuff for the subject matter, but like that's not really what Fallout's ever been. It's Fall really not. Uh -uh. Fallout it's is about like society after the people who yeah. survive. Well, I mean, Fallout is a satire of kind of like ridiculous. I mean, that's the whole. Th that's why they you know when people were complaining that like. It like has this cavalier use of nuclear weapons in, the, in you know because you, you can nuke people's bases and stuff in this game and it's like yeah that's Fallout it's like that's the whole the whole joke of Fallout is that all this horrible shit happened the world ended and no one learned anything yeah like that's the whole thing like you know it's it's using the kind of the absurdity of the old atomic age propaganda stuff and those like kind of you know the, that's you know the same with the special things it's like it's like duck and cover and all that crap like it's like all that sort of like weird naivety oh the naivete. pvp stuff by the way completely pointless yeah it is pointless nobody uses it mm -hmm. so if somebody shoots you if you shoot them back then it's on and nobody does it because because right. why would you why what's the yeah. point i also saw a thing where a bunch of people like basically coordinated so they got the ability. So three different people got the ability to launch a nuke at the same time. So crashed they the three, game. three nukes at once, and it crashed the whole thing. Um, most of the, also like I um, credit to Jim Sterling because I watched his his Jim impressions on this, and the first thing that happens is um, I think it was Jim impressions. Maybe it was some. I thought it was him. I watched a few videos of this because I didn't play it because I refused to buy it. So I just watched a bunch of impressions videos, and I think it was his. But basically, it starts and like right at the beginning, it starts and like the 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 gun goes up for like a reload animation, and it just stops. And like I thought, YouTube froze. Yeah. Like I was messing with it. I'm like, oh, what's wrong with you? No, the game and then the thing pops up like and says like time. nothing. It, it actually popped up a little too late for my tip, but it popped up text. It's like, no, your video hasn't frozen. This is still live footage of the game, and it just hangs there, hangs there, the time, hangs yeah. there, hangs there, hangs there, hangs there. You've been disconnected, and it's like, and you can still hear stuff happening. Yep. And then he comes back, and of I course he's been, he's been killed. And it's like, and he does. It's a couple times in the video where like that kind of thing happens, and it's just. I mean, yes, it's a Bethesda game. You expect it to be rough when it launches because they always are. Um, but see, there's a difference with this game. But this is like, this feels real early access-y. And in fact, Andrew Reiner from Game Informer put it best. I, I saw he posted something on social media last night. He said, you expect Bethesda games to be buggy mm -hmm. when they first launch. 
but you know that, but, and you have a problem, you just reload your save right. and try again. But you can't do the that nature, with The nature this of this game, game prevents that. When yeah. something bad happens, it's for good. There's no going back and reloading an old save to get around it. There's no skipping it. It's It happened. It's over. There's no rolling mm -hmm. it back. And that is a it. huge, huge difference. You got to live with game. it through no fault of your own, yeah. basically. Yeah, I thought that was a very, very yep. astute, insightful comment about this game that I had not really actually even picked up on myself. So um, I do not I mean, recommend even, this game. Even just looking at the that the objectives in the corner of the screen right now, they never I, am, end. I am bored. Dude, they never end. But the, it, here's the thing. All the objectives are like, go here and read this computer terminal mm. or go and pick up five bottles at a drive-in <laughs> theater. It's like, what, I'm a trash man? Like, dude, there's the apocalypse. There's crap laying everywhere. You want me to pick up five freaking bottles? Like, ugh. I don't know what Bethesda was thinking with this, Matt. I really have no idea. I think idea. they were thinking we need to put something out. Yeah. And, and ultimately... Because they didn't make... You know, this was the, the team that, other, that was, gonna, was going to make Battle Cry. Yep. So this to me, this really feels like a clutch together. We got to put something out in 2018 because we got you know we got to stall for time for our real releases later. You could have killed the franchise though. It doesn't really matter though because Fallout Five has got to be like a decade out. All right. So by then, everyone won't even remember this. Game. No, <laughs> unless they try to do it again. Although they say this game is forever, Matt. Uh huh. <laughs> but so here, I mean, really. The core problem so is the with musical the game, Cats. Yeah, yeah. That closed too. The core problem with the game is that you need, for that design to work, you need just millions of people. And there aren't. There aren't enough people to support the design of the game. It's like when I enter a public event and I'm the only one in it and it goes on for like 15 minutes and still no one showed up. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, Destiny 2, at least, like. Somebody shows oh, up. Immediate, almost immediately. Yeah. Even now, I bet. Even if it's just like two or three people, you're yeah. going to have people doing something. Yeah. And it's like you can party up with three other people so four people can play together. And I will say that when I did find a group of people with this game, it was moderately enjoyable. Yeah. All the, all the positive impressions I've read all have to do with playing the game with your friends. Yeah. Like, or like I, there was somebody on Twitter I was following who was, was like, I'm playing, I'm having a great time because I'm playing with my sister and... She's never played Fallout, and she's yelling about this, and I'm making fun of her for this, and we're screwing around on this bridge and running around. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not the game. No. Like, that's, like, that's, that's any game. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. That could be true of almost anything any unless game. you play together. Yep, exactly. It's, I don't know. To me, you're right. I mean, it, Fallout, the next Fallout probably won't be out until I'm retired. <laughs> but Do we get to do that? Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't know. I don't know if people retire anymore. Uh, but the, the stench of this game and the burn that Bethesda's fans are going to feel for this game is going to linger for a long time. It mm -hmm. may take that long for people to forgive and forget. But the full, I, I feel the, like, like the, it's Metacritic right now is like four. I think that's maybe a little angry. What, like 40 something? Yeah, it's like yeah. 40. I think the like the different versions are PC higher. PC is level. higher than PS4, uh, but PS4 was like 49 last I checked. Yeah, I think that might be a Although, little aggressive. But well, none of the major sites seem to have weighed in yet. Like right. they had a lot of like impressions. It's all small fan sites. And the yeah. I mean, it was like they had impressions. I think in the in the bottom of the the Metacritic page for like Eurogamer and a couple other places. But I mean, all of the impressions were like this game blows. Like it was the fan score is 2.5. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> 2.5. There's some brigading happening, but I think you could have seen that coming um, just off of the response to the... 
I mean, certainly, I never. I mean, I don't write user reviews for stuff, but like, I certainly saw this and saw the whole concept behind it. it. Was like, nope. Like, maybe if it was made by somebody on on the par with Bungie, you know, if it was like a Destiny Two level of polish, yeah. maybe. But this is just Fallout Four online. I mean, it looked every bit of footage I look at, watch about this game, looks like a mod to me. Their fans are so desperate that there are players who are acting like NPCs. Yeah. I'm not kidding. What? They're standing at the mission points, waiting for players to come, and they're acting like an NPC. And they're standing there and saying, you should go over here and do this and do that, trying to, like, basically spackle over Bethesda's cracks for, that is for one Bethesda. Of the, that is one of the weirdest things I've ever heard. Yes, it absolutely is very weird. And yes. I just saw people wait in line to get on a train in Star Citizen <laughs> last night. <laughs> I think that actually wins, maybe. That's a I tough don't know. One. <laughs> I've at least I've at least seen that before because I don't know if anybody remembers, but back in the old EverQuest days, back in the nineties, yeah. uh, when you had like once people had figured the game out and like basically there were like specific monsters you had to kill and they respawned at a certain amount of time, like there would you would get in line. You would go to where the monster was and everybody would get in line and as the monster would spawn, if you were the front take your line, turn you go up, it. take your turn to kill it and walk <laughs> it and go on the way. And people would just stand there in line and talk to each other while they waited for the monsters to respawn and they <laughs> slow. It was very organized and civil. It was very yeah. great. it was great, you know. And like it was you know, there was a, and it was a PvP aspect, so if anybody came along and tried to cut in line, you just all kill it. All hacking down, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it was good times. But yeah. um, no, it wasn't because it was terrible. But yeah. it was also good times in the sense of there was that emergent element of like a social order had been imposed because the gameplay design was so terrible. And, and that, that's what's happening here. And that's what's happening. That's what hap- what's happening when you're waiting in line to get on a train to commute somewhere in a in space In a virtual game. world. <laughs> and it's also what ha- is happening here where like, okay, there's a clear deficiency here and we are going to uh, you know, pretend that this is a different thing. I think the other thing too is that Todd Howard was a little deceptive with... Well, when describing at, this game. At the very least, they were evasive. Yeah. I mean, we didn't see this thing actually played until, what, like a month ago? Yeah. I mean, think about how many episodes in a and row. What, and we what, were like, when are we going to see this game? Is and it And what in the out? world about this was, like, worth hiding? Uh, well. Well, yeah. I, th- I yeah. I think but you got to show it. You got to. You gotta, <laughs> should I mean, have been hiding it. <laughs> right. But you got to, like, own up to what this thing is. I absolutely see now why we never saw footage of this game until, like, a month before its release. Because it's not a pretty picture. So it's not almost heaven? No. In West Virginia? And so that's the other thing. So it's set in West Virginia, an alternative take on West Virginia. Waste Virginia. Waste Virginia. I have not heard that pun yet. I think it's the the name of uh, the official thread on Reset Era. Ah, okay. Um, As somebody who was born there and and still goes back there over the holidays to see a couple family members that still live there... It is not a faithful recreation of West Virginia. Uh, the general look is very accurate as far as the rolling hills and the vegetation and things like that. But like uh, the one town that, that's a big deal in the game, Grafton, uh, that town is very small, Matt. Literally, driving from one end of Grafton to the other is probably about a half a mile. So, very easily, they could have recreated that town down to every last board. Hmm. But to me, the Grafton in this game is not Grafton. It, it doesn't look anything like it. It's not laid out the same. It's bigger than the real Grafton. Like, 
Well, it's an alternate universe. It, it is. Absolutely. It is not it is not accurate, to say the least. It's more like it's inspired by these locations mm-hmm. than replications of the locations. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how people from that state react to it. They're really excited about it. They, like, gave, like, Bethesda, like, the key to the state or something crazy. Yeah, and, like, like I saw, like, they made it, like, the the official game of West Virginia or something. I mean, well, they like, made, I think crazy. they made, like emergence day like an official yes. holiday yes re-emergence day it's like an official holiday now in west virginia mm-hmm. um and i have a feeling that a lot of people in that state are going to play this game and be like uh this they just said it's west virginia it really and there's like signs that say morgantown or grafton but it really could just be anywhere i mean yeah. that's why you never believe election problems promises yeah <laughs> that's true um once the apocalypse happens and you're out nobody cares yeah so i would say based upon what i played so so far, I don't know if I'm going to finish it. I don't know that you do Can you finish, finish it. it? Yeah. So I'm in this quandary. I'm like, okay, how much of this do I need to play to write the game eval? And I have not... So there, there is a campaign, meaning there is a list of missions that you follow. And there, at least right now, is a last mission that you need to complete. And basically all you're doing is running around after this person called the Overseer and these other people. People who were smart enough to get the hell out of there. And you're forced running around after them. And you're like, wait a minute, all these people left. Like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm the idiot that's still here. So there is, like, a finite number of missions right now in the game, like, where I guess you finish it, but it's all the same. Like, it's like, okay, well, you found this location. Well, now I've gone over here and follow me over here. You're basically tracking this overseer the whole way through the game. And it doesn't change. It's like the next mission. Go here. You go there. Like, Like I said... Pick up five Coke bottles off the ground. It's like, what am I doing? Like, hmm. it's one of those games where I play it and I'm like, what? What? I'm wasting my life playing this game. I feel like, um, as juvenile as his actions were, we are all that guy who knocked all this stuff over in the GameStop. Yeah. <laughs> on, that, on that video. Like, on one hand, I'm like, that's a really pathetic way to behave. But on the other hand, I get where you're I coming from. I kind of get it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you haven't seen that, by the way, it is on Sifted Curated. Some guy went it's on a rampage great. in a GameStop. It was a rampage. Yeah. It wasn't like, He hey. did not, however, <laughs> knock over the Red Dead Redemption 2 display. No, he didn't. <laughs> I thought that was very that was very telling. He's like, no, this one's How okay. How funny would it have been if you like, I like that one. Yeah. No, that one was all right. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, but, I mean. If like, I were a hardcore Fallout fan, I would be that mad. I mean, but also, like, if you're not super paying attention, you just know there's a new Fallout game coming and you don't know much about this thing. Yeah. And you get it home and it's that. And you can't get your money back for, like, basically what you feel at that time is being sold a bad... We uh, probably... Know. I'm guessing he bought it, like, the night before. Yeah. Like went he, home, played it, he's came like, back Wait the a next minute. day. This is not... And they're like, uh-uh, we are taking that return. Yeah, well, you can hear him. They say, like, well, you can only trade in it for store credit. And he just sort of snaps and starts <laughs> knocking things over. And I'm like, great video. Mm, yep, yeah, understandable. I w- it's not GameStop's fault though. No, no. but that's, they took the brunt of it for Bethesda. And that's a lot of game gift cards that somebody's got to pick up. This, hey, here's another example of what I'm saying about how nobody is isolated in this industry. Everything has a ripple effect, a trickle down effect on other people or other companies. Like, mm-hmm. here's here's GameStop. Getting screwed because Bethesda put out a piece yep. of crap game. And I'm just saying, nobody did that for No Man's Sky. No. And people were real mad about they No were, Man's Sky. Yeah, yeah. Well, they just went after, like, the developers instead. Right. But, like, 
You could have done that with this too. But I wouldn't be surprised if Todd Howard starts getting a little bit of heat because a lot of the stuff he said about this game. Now that I'm playing it, is it his fault though? Like he he didn't his team didn't make this game. No, but he's a spokesperson for it. Thing, yeah, yeah, I mean he needs to make sure all that stuff's in the game and it's all working and it's legit before he goes on a big stage and tells millions of people, "Hey, this is in the game. This is what this game is like." So, is I you know he said they were very nervous. I mean, that anger should be directed more at Todd Howard than at GameStop, well, yeah. that's for sure. Absolutely. So, I, But I can also understand frustration with GameStop's return policy. Yeah, so. but you just don't buy stuff at GameStop. Right. You know that before you buy a game there, what their return policy is. And I, I just don't shop there. So yeah, just prevent that tragedy. Just avoid it altogether. I went into one to get the exclusive Starlink ship uh, last month. I think that's the first time I've been in one to buy anything. Last time I was time. in one was when I went and bought PlayStation VR. Well, that's a yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I think I got that from Amazon. So. Yeah, I, I got it from GameStop because it was like one of the only ones that had them still in stock um, on launch day. So, yeah. Yeah, to be honest, if I need a game, like, like if I'm going to go to a brick and mortar store for a game, I am always going to go to Best Buy first. Yep, and if one literally like a block away from me, which is just too easy. So. Yeah. Also, like GameStop's kind of depressing when you go in. They are and, depressing. And it's just like, there's not really anything there, but it's just like half of it is all these weird tchotchkes and toy yeah. things. And you're like, this is what's keeping you alive right now. It is, too. If you look at their financials, it's absolutely yep. what's keeping them afloat. Those freaking Funko Pop things. Yeah. Yep. All right, so that's Fallout 76. I do not recommend a purchase on any platform. I played Xbox One. I played PlayStation 4. It looked a little better on PlayStation 4, but not much. Yeah. Just a shade better. Uh, but the real problem, even though the game is not pretty, the real problem is just the game's design and its myriad bugs. So I recommend staying away. A lot of you guys figured it out a long time ago. In fact, a lot of you guys figured it out before I did um, until I played the beta. You know, once I played the beta, I was like, oh, I kind of had fun with it. But yeah, it was fleeting. And uh, yeah, I'm going to have to put this in the called it yeah. slot. <laughs> Definitely so. Yeah, that one right all along. All right, let's move on. Uh, we're going to talk next about Thanksgiving which is just a couple days away. A lot of people are going to be watching this on Wednesday, which means it's tomorrow for you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or Matt, what are nothing you... if you're in Europe. You're right, yeah, or it's just another dumb American holiday for, for other people. Matt, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Uh, nothing, I don't no? think, really. You'll probably get some turkey or something. You're not headed up north to see the family? No. Thanksgiving's not really a thing in my family. Yeah. And uh, I think I've told the story before of, like, you know, when we first moved to L.A., uh, the first year, I drove back up for Thanksgiving, and it took me 12 hours to get back the Sunday That's after. That's right, yeah. You t- I think <laughs> you and I were both in <laughs> yeah, that. We were, mess. yeah. Um, and then the following year, I flew back, and that took almost longer. Because <laughs> every flight from San Francisco is delayed. Yeah, and after that, I just said to my mom, like, you know what? I'll just see you at Christmas from now on. And she's like, that's fine. <laughs> like, that's, Thanksgiving was never really a thing, a, a big yeah. important thing to our family. It was... I don't, I don't know why, it just wasn't, like, you know, we didn't have people over, uh, my grandparents weren't interested in cooking, um, it was just, it just never, not never a thing. thing. Like, we had, we had a different meal, you know, we had turkey and, you know, like a different meal that day, but, like, it was not, like, a crazy, it's not like a, you know, like you see in the movies where everybody gathers around and everyone you've never talked to in, in a year shows up again and there's a giant turkey and crazy things every, it's not like that. Uh, the biggest Thanksgiving, my family does all that the stuff. biggest Thanksgiving feasts I've ever had are here in LA when we, everybody who's stuck in LA gets together and does like the, the orphan Thanksgiving thing. Yeah. That happens a lot here because no one's from LA. Right. So the people who don't want to leave, don't want to go home or can't afford to go home generally gather and have their own Thanksgivings. And I've had a 
couple of like those orphan Thanksgivings, which are like the craziest, biggest, like yeah. most amazing feasts I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're, they can they're be good fun. times. But yeah, I don't I don't leave town for that. It's uh, it's a sucker's game, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. I'm staying local too. I'm not going anywhere for Thanksgiving. My wife is going home, but I'm not. Mm. Um, I have to go back in just a few weeks for the holidays for Christmas. And, that's uh, the other thing is like you, you do, do all that and then it's like three weeks later you got to do it again it's yeah just like, mm. i just honestly i can't afford it so i have to save my money for the one trip back for christmas uh, so i'll be here um we are taking the day off of sifted we're not going to be curating we're going to just let the site sit still for a day uh we need at least one day to kind of enjoy ourselves i am going to the houdini mansion um, oh, I, nice. I did this last year actually one of my buddies started throwing Thanksgiving at the Houdini mansion um, and it was great time last year and he's, so he's going to do it again this year so I'm going to head over there and have some food and toss back a drink or two and watch some football for the day so Sifted will be quiet on Thursday we'll kick things back off on Thursday Friday. Nintendo pulls out of E3 <laughs> I we... then I think we'll probably go and curate the story but otherwise it's going to be a quiet day on Vincent Sifted. keep your hand on that button <laughs> no Vincent needs to take the day off. He needs to hang out with his family and have some good food and kick back and maybe play some games. He's not doing anything on Thursday. So, as is a customary here on Game Face and at Sifted, we do two things for our Thanksgiving episode. We, we share what we're thankful for in the gaming industry, and then we pick our turkey for the year, which is a game, a company, a person who basically just really pissed us off and mm-hmm. earned the turkey award. So we're going to start with good stuff. We're going to say first what we're thankful for in games for 2018. Matt, you start. Um, this is a kind of, I guess my answer to this is a little esoteric this year, but mostly I'm thankful for like, even in the kind of the, the big hit blockbuster driven kind of AAA focused industry that we're in right now, that there's so many companies and, and willingness to localize and make these weird little quirky niche games that like you just, you, you, sometimes you just look at them and you're like, how is this a thing? Like, how did this get made? And I'm talking about, like, the fact that we've, we're getting, like, six Yakuza games brought to the United States in, like, three years. Yeah. Or, like, um, the weird little indie stuff that shouldn't exist, like uh, The Messenger or uh, a new no, no, no More Heroes game coming mm-hmm. or, like, things like that. Um, just, like, the fact that these things continue to exist. And you, or, like, you, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Yuko's, what's that? I can't ever remember Island that. Express. Island Express. Yuko's Island Express or Yoku's. I, I don't remember. Yoku's, I can't. yeah. Uh, just, like, it's like, oh, pinball Metroidvania. Yeah. Like, what? yeah, absolutely. It's like, <laughs> why is this a thing? Who yeah. cares? It's great. Um, just the fact that, like, when I'm tired of kind of playing these standard, you know, when I'm tired of throwing 70 to 80 hours at, like, the Assassin's Creed open world game, I can sit down with one of these weird ass things, um, and one of the best ones coming up on the Switch. You got a got a Katamari remaster yeah, coming up. Absolutely. Like that, that's another game in that. Doesn't get any more weird than yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that basically I'm just glad that um, the people are there to support it. The people if it weren't for yeah. people buying it. They the people wouldn't are exist. there to support it, and it's still it's still you know you can still find those weird things because the weird stuff has always been like the thing that like I enjoyed the most about games. Uh, in a lot of ways, and so I'm just glad that that hasn't gone away because there were a lot of people that were worried that something stuff like that would go away yeah. over the course of the last few years. No, we yeah, I think and, we've even talked about it before, and I feel like it's still going pretty strong. Absolutely, yeah. Um, every year we go to do this, and I want to pick something different because I always end up ten. I tend to give the same answer to this every year, particularly since we launched Sifted, 
And I thought this year I was going to come up with some other thing. But then I mentioned last week that our Patreon was doing really poorly and it shot up by like two or three hundred dollars in a couple days. And here I am again on Thanksgiving being very thankful for our patrons and our subscribers. Um, you know, a lot of people would look at Sifted and say, and say what we don't have. You don't have that many patrons. You don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have tons of, or whatever. But I prefer to look at it like what we do have. And what we do have is a very, very dedicated audience, uh, a very generous audience very caring audience um, and it's just it's another year where I can't I cannot be thankful for anything more than you guys I just cannot um, it was very inspiring to see over the last week to see you guys step up and I hate that it's the same people who end up stepping up time after time um, but I can't control what you guys do and it just turns out that you guys are just awesome people um, and you care about Sifted very much. And we're going to get into the photo stuff a little later. Um, I was very impressed with some of the stuff that you guys did for the t-shirt photo competition. It's just very overwhelming and heartwarming. Um, and I think it's very easy to always look at your life or anything and say, oh, we don't have that, or we didn't get that, or this didn't happen, or this didn't work. But I prefer to look at what has happened and what has worked. And the fact of the matter is that Sifted has now lasted for like three years, all because of people basically donating money to the cause. Um, I can't think of too many people I know or any friends that I have that have a group of people that support them the way that you guys support us. So. I'm very, very thankful for you guys. Very thankful to be in this situation. Very thankful to still be working in this job, to be perfectly honest with you, because you start looking and thinking about life after Sifted, and it's not really a life in games, to be perfectly honest. I mean, there just aren't any jobs. That's the truth of the matter. And for a lot of the jobs that are there, I'm way overqualified for them. So. Um, when I start looking realistically at what my life is after Sifted, if that do, if it does come to it, it's a very different life for me. And so just being able to do this for, the, for another three years that I've been able to do it since I left GT, I'm just very thankful for that. And if it weren't for you guys, it wouldn't have happened. I would already be working probably at some boring job in some boring industry. So... Thank you. I am so, so thankful for you guys. I can't say it enough, and I may get annoying, but I'll keep saying it anyway. So thank you guys very much, and girls. We do have some female subscribers, believe it or not. Uh, so thank you guys and girls very, very much for another year. I'm starting to wind things up here. Um, but uh, I just want, want to let you guys know that, in honesty, I love you guys. You guys have become like my friends and my family. And uh, I can't even express how much I appreciate you guys. So, once again, I'm most thankful for you. Now let's get to the Okay, but other than that. <laughs> but other than that. <laughs> uh, let's get to the turkey Give us a ones. game. Well, obviously, I'm thankful for all the great games that came out this year. Uh, Sam just bought a PS4. Yeah. He one got, of us. Yep, he's one of us now. After how many years have you been RTD? Three? Two years? Two years. Yeah. Two or three years. 
of him doing this show every week mm-hmm. for three hours, he we finally convinced him to get a Generation 8 console. Well, that Spider-Man bundle convinced him. Yeah, yeah. Which is a great deal, by the way. If you guys... If you guys are looking for a PS4, you haven't got one yet, go buy the Spider-Man bundle. It's $200, and you get the console and the game. It's like a $160 value. Yep. Go get it. It's all over the place. It's on Sifted right now. Just go to our deals channel, and you'll find it there. But anyway, Sam has finally jumped in. Yep. He is a uh, He's one of us. So welcome, Sam, to Generation 8. And the good news for him is that he has a billion awesome games to play. Yep. Just like that. And they're about to be real cheap. They are. And he's going to pay like a third of the price that we paid for all our games. Yep. Maybe ultimately, he's the smart one. Yeah. But uh, you get into the into consoles at the end of each generation, you're basically riding high yeah. for very little money. But what I was getting at is I'm very <laughs> thankful for all these great games that we have because they convince people like Sam to jump in and become a part of everything. Mm-hmm. So... Someone who was mostly happy playing SimCity on his phone. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right, so let's get to our turkeys, Matt. Uh, What is your video game turkey for 2018? All right. Just thinking about it. You need the Heimlich or something? Just thinking about this is giving me... um... (laughs) You want me to go first? Give me hives. I mean, usually, I think we've established a pattern that for the turkey thing. You pick an overarching trend or situation, and I pick the game I hated the most. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. <clears throat> That's usually how it goes. So this year, we're going to continue that, and uh, my turkey is Detroit. <laughs> okay, explain why. Uh, it's garbage. Um, it's just, the main reason Detroit pisses me off, and it's not that, like, it's super terrible, like, in terms of, like, David Cage games. It's, like, I'd say it's probably better than the other ones for the most part. Yeah. Um, it's that, like, there's this amazing tech. It looks gorgeous. Like, yeah, there's this amazing tech and this huge budget, and they keep giving it to this guy. <laughs> and it's, like, can you give it to someone that could make something, like, interesting that maybe isn't, doesn't feel like it's written by someone that has seen two movies and then hit their head? <laughs> Like, We've been hanging out with Uwe Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's tackling this thematic idea. It's a valid idea for oh, this. Oh, it could, could be a great idea. Sure. I mean, you saw a little bit of an Ex Machina, which was a very good film. Yeah, but, yeah. like, um, it's just the parallel doesn't work with the civil rights idea. You can't unmoor the idea of 400 years of human chattel slavery from the idea of, like, like robots. Yeah. Of, like, racial oppression. Yeah. And then just make it, like, robots. Like, like it, you, you can a draw a par- delicate topic. Yeah, well, you can draw a parallel very deftly. No, you can you can draw a parallel, but you can't do it as nakedly and like artlessly as Cage does in this game. Like it just and like you especially can't do all that and then like embarrass me to the point that I have to stop playing your game. And as soon as I go back to the main menu, the girl on the main menu throws a Martin Luther King quote at me oh boy. because you have not earned oh the ability to quote Martin Luther King yeah. at me, dude. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's, um, I don't know. It's amazing tech and, and attention to detail and animation work in the service of just such a puerile juvenile take on what should be some pretty hefty subject matter. And I just find it tremendously embarrassing and a waste of resources. And I wish they'd basically take all this tech and give it to someone who can write for once. 
because there's something here. Like there's 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 something here. It's just it's held back. Well, the fact that you keep trying, yeah, giving it a chance, shows and he does slowly improve. I mean, this is better for the most part in terms of most of most of the writing in terms of sounding like something a native English speaker would say most of the time. Clancy Brown's performance is fantastic in part because it's captured so well. You're clearly watching Clancy Brown, who's one of the best character actors working. Um, so is Lance Hendrickson. Lance Hendrickson is only in it briefly, but he's great. Like, you know, you can see that the, the actors who can take whatever crap they're given on a page <laughs> and turn it into something in their heads and in their performance that makes it a, a, some, a, a human thing you can identify with. You can also see this in the Star Wars prequels with, with people like Ewan McGregor and Ian McDermott. doesn't matter what they're given. Those actors can take this crap and yep. make it something real in their heads, and that comes across on camera. Um, so it's not like it's devoid of, of good points. It's just, it makes me mad because storytelling is, is making advances in the industry. You are seeing more and more ways of telling a story in games that gets something across that means something, or at least gets something across that like, you know, is an attempt at something that matters. And none of those, none of those other projects to me have the, have the backing and the money and just so much, so much. You know, so many resources to just throw at it, and this, you know, this Quantic Dream does, and this is what we get. I have and a question for you, actually. Depressing. How, how far did you play? Did you play a lot of it? I got about halfway two thirds through. Like it, okay. it got to the point where like the the protest stuff was getting violent, and like you were making a decision with Marcus to like, oh, do you shoot the gun? Do you not shoot the gun? And it was just like. Like, it, it just got artificial to the point where I'm like, okay, Marcus as a character would probably shoot the gun as I've been playing him. But, like, I know not to shoot the gun if I want the good ending. Right, right. But it was just, it, <laughs> you know, it was just like... That's funny. It was just so removed from caring about what would happen in the story and more about, like, well, how do I get to the end, navigate the weird end of this in a way that, that the game will find satisfactory or whatever? Because, like... The other problem is having, if I want to see something different, i got to play through the whole section again. Right, right. And I was just tired of sitting through this crap. So, um, you know, to me, usually this, 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 the turkey thing is re reserved for the game that I found uh, both the least pleasant and the most disappointing. And this was uh, probably not the worst thing I played all year, but it is the biggest waste of infuriating. resources infuriating, and time. I have a question about the game. Do they tackle the whole topic of, like, sex with robots? Um... Not super directly. Uh, there, there is, uh, or at least I didn't see it. If they did, uh, maybe there's a branch that gets into that more. But there is definitely an implication that they make sex androids for sure. I just, to me, that seems like the less sensitive yet still interesting angle that they could have taken instead of the parallels to like civil rights and Martin Luther King. Well, you're still in like kind of crazy, creepy territory there because at some point if you focus on that, you got to show someone raping an android. And that's not a thing you need to see on screen. To, to, to Cage's credit, this game is probably the least creepy and offensive to the female characters game he's made. There's no gratuitous shower scene. There's no scene where you basically have to fend off attackers as a, as a woman in a desperate situation. So uh, he, he at least resisted that temptation. Um, that's progress. But yeah. I, I just feel like that could have been a very deep angle for the story to go in. Like, well, except Ex Machina already did that to a large degree. You know, the, the idea of uh, that movie already kind of tackled the whole uh, what is love android thing in a way that like, I don't think you're going to top. No, definitely, definitely David Cage isn't going to top it. 
But I'm not even talking about the the emotional angle of it. I'm talking about like the moral angle of it. Like, you know, having like maybe a couple where you're the guy's married, but they also have this android that's like walking around. Mm. Like I, I feel like there's something that could be explored there that Maybe, but it wouldn't have been any less artless than what we yeah, got. Yeah. Probably right. All right. Well, it all just plays out like a like a third rate after school <coughs> special, and it's embarrassing to me. Yeah. Especially especially this, especially this section of good the old Todd, right. who who couldn't be more of a like a stereotype abusive father, right? You know, loser guy. If you try, I where's mean, the empty beer cans? Yeah, I'm. Oh, they're, I cleaned those up already. That's that's where they are. They're in the trash. He has, and now he throws the cha- oh, take yeah. the take the shirt off. You got a wife beater under there somewhere. I know. <laughs> all right. Uh, my turkey. For 2018 is not a game. It's not a person. Shane's turkeys are always loftier than mine. Mine are, <laughs> mine are always lo- just like, ah! I don't know about lofty. Hate uh, thing. <laughs> my turkey is a company. And uh, I bet you if I gave you three seconds, you'd be able to guess what company that is. Uh, it is Sony. Sony is my turkey for 2018. Um, leaving E3, <laughs> it was just kind of the icing on the cake. Um, I think what in general led me to call Sony my turkey for 2018 is its arrogance. How it is, how it never learned any lessons from the PlayStation 3 era. And it has just gone full circle back to this, okay, we're winning now. And now we can do what we want and not consider anyone else, in all honesty. Not consider our fans, not consider the partners that rely on us. It's just gone into full-on, we're winning again, we have all the leverage, we can do what we want, you're <clears> going to take it, you're going to like it, happens period. a lot. It, with Sony, it happens. It happens with all three of them. I mean, look at, look at the reaction Nintendo had to the Wii, and they kind of hit that point where they're like, we have more money than God, here's a bunch of stuff you don't care about for their E3 conferences for three years, and then they put out the but Wii But it wasn't U, overt and they, like this is. Oh, though. it was overt like, for look, the time, for I mean, sure. And Sony like, is like blocking cross-platform play and Microsoft making up made, excuses for why it wouldn't do okay, it. Okay, Microsoft made a console that couldn't play games well. <laughs> like, I mean, the Xbox, you know, every time these companies have a successful generation, they have some kind of horrible, weird moment where they like, they, they're like, oh, we don't need to do anything special here. We just need to, to do this crazy thing. And, you know, it happened to Sony moving from the 2 to the two to the PlayStation 3. It happened to Microsoft moving from the one to the from the 360 to the 1. It happened to Nintendo moving from the Wii to the Wii U. Um, it's weird that, like, not only did they not remember, like, and, like, Sony's the first one, I think, to repeat it. Right. Because um, it's sort and of... not the, even that, what, five years later? Yeah. So, because Sony's... Because, like, it's, like, the thing where it's, like, well, they don't seem to learn from each other. They seem to think that they're immune to the right. to the failures of the other companies. Well, Sony doesn't even learn from itself. But Sony's the first one to kind of circle back around and and be like, "Oh, we're going to do this." I mean, we'll see how far they push this. But like, because I don't think they were, I don't think the problem in the transition of the PlayStation Three was we don't need anyone else. We don't need to think about anyone else. It was like we're awesome and we come up with better things than everybody else. And like. Ken Kutaragi is a crazy man that we're just going to give free reign yeah. to do all this weird stuff. Uh, Sony's issues right now seem to be that, um, you know, everybody's sort of adjusting to the, uh, the new landscape of media and marketing and, you know, everything. 
and Sony's starting to make some weird strides in terms of like, this is how we're going to deal with it. And everyone's They're like, being... um, I don't think that's really the way you want to go, especially with the crossplay thing. The crossplay thing was a bad look for so long. I mean, they're being isolationist. They're basically yeah. saying, we don't need anyone else. We don't need anything else. That's they're giving the other works. And they're giving the other two such fodder yeah. to, to take pot shots at them. I even, did, I did when even Nintendo see, is playing that game with you, you know you fucked up. I did not think I would see this Sony again. Um, and I didn't, even like the first two, three years of the PlayStation 4, I didn't think I'd see it again. Well, they weren't doing that. Because then. it was still in the mode of, oh, God, thank you. Our <laughs> fans came back. Mm. Like, who knows? I mean, who knew what was going to happen? Yeah, and I think that that might have not have played out the way it did if uh, Microsoft had come out of the gate with a stronger piece of hardware. Absolutely. Yeah, it had no competition really. Yeah. It was over as soon as it began. Yeah, they early on, I mean, they, they certainly kept the momentum going. I can't, I gotta give Sony credit for that. But early yeah. on in this generation, PlayStation 4 didn't win. Xbox One lost. Lost. No, you're right. I mean, you think about the launch lineup for PS4. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Resogun was fun, but... Yeah, Resogun's cool and all, but... Somewhere out there, there's a bunch of people that paid 60 bucks for that Killzone game that are like, damn it. <laughs> and right now, there's someone in the chat saying, I like Killzone. I like Killzone Shadowfall. <laughs> like, mm. But to me, this was the year where Sony knew it was over. It knew it had won. There was no coming back. It even yeah. knew it. Even this year, it knew that Switch was not going to be a thing. Yeah, I think that might have been... Uh, that was the final... What flipped the switch, if yep. you will, uh, th th when you know, it's clear that Switch, while successful, is not going to sell 100 million units. Right. Like, they yeah. are not going to the overtake the The writing's on the wall now, yeah. It's not another Wii. Yeah. Sony can look... Sony gets the MPDs. It's the, yeah. Once it started seeing, oh, okay, the holidays are over, and they sold, what, 80,000 80, consoles in January? Like, okay, it's over. Yeah. And it seemed like once that happened... That was it. Sony went right back into arrogance mm -hmm. and taking fans and the industry but, for granted. But you got to wonder, like, uh, in terms of, you know, they've done this before and Microsoft has seen the weak spot before. And I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see if, if going forward into E3 with no Sony, what does Microsoft do? Yeah. Because Microsoft, for all their faults have always found ways to capitalize on Sony's missteps. Absolutely. So that'll and be very interesting. To be fair, I mean, we talked about it like a couple episodes ago. Microsoft has kind of figured it out. Yeah, they got it's, some momentum, which I didn't think they right maybe could. heading in the right trajectory right now. I thought they were going to have to wait till next gen to get any kind of momentum going again. But it feels like the X has turned some stuff around for them. In a way, it's which not even surprises the X, me. though, really. I mean, that helps. But it's just part of it. It's yeah. just the, the dedication to buying studios to create exclusive content. Uh, the stuff that it's done with Play Anywhere. Uh, allowing cross-play, like, right out of the gate. I mean, it's just... Yeah, they're making the moves, and even if none of it works, you're not going to be able to look back and say that Microsoft didn't try. Yeah, I mean, I've, so. I don't know if I... And for a long time, I feel like it felt like they weren't trying. Yeah, Except I mean, I don't even think that, They were checked out, like, they were canceling projects with no explanation, they were not replacing those projects with new announcements. Yeah. You know, they... I don't think that the Xbox One originally was, like, a big F you or Microsoft being arrogant. I just really <laughs> think that Microsoft thought that that was what was going to be a hit. I think it thought that was going to be the future, and I think we're kind of seeing that it was, like, five years ahead of the game. A little bit. I mean, but, you know, and but as we know, as any Sega fan knows... Being that far ahead of the game doesn't do you any favors. Yeah. Well, oddly enough, we've naturally transitioned into our next topic, which is Microsoft is putting out mm. a new console next year. Is that year. confirmed? That's really... It's not 100% confirmed. But it's 
one it's, of, it's one of those rumors where you're like, oh, that looks pretty. I would give it an 85 to 90% chance mm. of being legit. So the word on the street is that Microsoft is preparing a new console for 2019. It's not a, a new console as far as hardware is concerned. It just does not have a disk drive, which was kind of the plan from Originally, the beginning. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if this is them just now putting into production what was supposed to be in production from the beginning. Maybe. I don't. I don't think they were not going to have a disk drive in the original plan because you but weren't not two different versions. You don't think? I don't think so. They, you weren't at the position where I think you could cut the retail out of the out of the loop like that yet. I think you are now. I think. I because th- I think, I think that 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 has shifted tremendously. The digital sales thing, you know, just gained and gained and gained and gained. And I think you are finally kind of at a point where. You can start to test the water with consoles that don't need Walmart, and because uh, that was the scary part. It was like for a long time, it was like, well, if Wal- that was that's, You're not sell software, that's the leverage then. of ESR. The ESRB was like, if you rated AO, you don't get sold in Walmart, which means you don't get sold. Yeah. But that is not necessarily a thing anymore. You're starting to see, uh, you know, less concern about pissing off the brick and mortar retailers and more confidence in their ability to sell stuff in a digital Without digital store. Absolutely. Um, even Steam's getting in on the on the porn now. I mean, it's that, yeah, that whole thing AO is shifting. AO games go up on Steam. Yeah. Well, I think in general, not just in America, but worldwide, I think society is just kind of loosening up to a lot of stuff like that. Some degree. <laughs> we're we're cool with video game porn, but we keep electing fascists. But you know, when <laughs> it's, it's a balance. Yeah, you, know? you can't have both, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> So what do, what do you think is going to be the result of this console? What do you think it's going to do? Is it going to do well in the market? Do you think people are just going to ignore it? Because it's cheap. It's like they're saying it's like $200. I don't know. I mean, it, I think you're still in the position where, is it because it, is it a regular Xbox One S? Yeah, it's a 1S. So, yeah. so you take away the reason I bought the X, which was the, for the 4K disc player. Um I don't know. I feel like that hinges very strongly on what their lineup is going to be, and like we don't know a lot of that because they've just bought all these companies, and we don't know what these new companies that they, the, the developers they bought, are going to make. Because um, I would say right now, uh, and we said it again talking to Sam before the show about his PlayStation Four purchase. If you're going to only buy one of them, I think PlayStation Four. Is oh, absolutely. The, you know, is the no, no question. Um, I don't. I don't mean to offend anybody who's an Xbox fan, but. If you're looking no, at man, things I, from I, an I objective the, standpoint... I play the majority of my stuff on Xbox now because yeah. they perform better on the Xbox One X. But if you said I could only keep one of them, I'm keeping the PlayStation because it's got the best exclusive lineup. Yeah, um, I can play everything on the Xbox One X, uh, for the most part, on PC if I have to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think PlayStation 4 is still the, the go-to in terms of lineup, the best lineup you can't get anywhere else. So in terms of enticing someone over, if it's just an S with no disk drive, I mean, the lower price is nice, but it doesn't have the performance advantage, and it doesn't have the 4K disk advantage. Um, I don't know. I don't I mean, I would say kind of who's that for, but I guess the X is selling better than they thought anyways, and we kind of had that same question about the X. Yeah. Um, like I said, they have access to the data. We, they must know something. Um, I, would you buy it? No, because I don't need it. No, I'm saying if you were in the market for a console, would you buy no. the disc version, disc for, disc drive free version for I, cheaper? I would buy an X with no disc drive for cheaper, probably. Is just for the hardware. Yeah, for the for the hardware, the, the performance improvements. Yeah, 
Um, like, the, the idea of not having a disk drive does not scare me, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, no, not at all. I buy tons of stuff digital. The only stuff I still actually buy physical is actually Switch stuff. Yeah. Um, because I figure if I decide I don't want that later, it's it holds its, its Oh, yeah, Nintendo value. stuff holds its value big time. Yeah. Because they never discount it. <laughs> Whereas, like, you know... If I got a physical copy of Just Cause Three, what am I going to be able to trade that in for two bucks in a year or two? Like, who cares? You're lucky. You know? Yeah. Like, they're um, not worth really anything. So, like, yeah, I do. And digital stuff is always cheaper. Like, you can get the full, you know, a f- here's the full set of this with all the DLC for nine dollars. Like, great. I have yeah. tons of that stuff. So, yeah. Uh, if you take out the disc drive and give me a bigger hard drive, yeah, that's a pretty good deal to me. Okay, so we. I, I would agree. I would be open to buying a disc-free yeah, open console. would be the right word, yeah. But what is the purpose of this from Microsoft's perspective? We're open to it, but it's not like we're excited or... To get you used to it. So it's just, you don't think that Microsoft even cares if it sells? It's just that it's out there and people are like, oh, there's already been a console yeah, that didn't I've, have a drive. I think you might be looking at the, at the PR. You're testing the water to see how people react to this thing. And that might determine whether there's a disk drive in the next Xbox or not. Do you think there will be a disk drive in the next Xbox? I don't think they want one. I, I definitely think they but want But I think one. they might feel like, depending on the reaction to this, they might feel they have. Because this, to me, strikes me as a, as, a, as a test firing of something. Because if there's one thing uh, Nintendo, if there's one thing Microsoft knows they don't want, it's a repeat of the reveal of the Xbox One. They don't. They want to know. I felt like the reveal of Xbox One was like the litmus test, and it failed miserably. Sort of, but like what I'm saying is, they have these ideas for this next system, and I think they're going to be much more cautious about how they introduce it to the public sphere. And I think this is part of that. They want to know if they can get away with an all digital future, but they're not going to try that with their brand new, crazy, super expensive system. They're going to see how people react to a revision of an existing system, and whether it makes a splash, or whether people freak out, whether you know that this is. This is a canary in a coal mine to me. I mean, it seemed to me what angered people most with the initial announcement of Xbox One was that there were not you're not going to be able to share games and there were not going to be used games. Right. But I feel like in the last five or six years, people have kind of... Well, if you're buying digital, that's yeah. what you've accepted. I mean, I feel like in five or six years, people have kind of completely come around to the idea yeah. of... Okay, I'm going to buy a game, but I can't trade it in. I can't right. sell it. But that's in I part come around. They've come around on that in part because the deep discounts you can get from digital sales are sometimes. beyond a lot of times what you can get from retail. Yeah. Um, and the other thing about the retail versus, you know, sometimes I would find crazy deals when like, oh, we found this thing in the bargain bargain bin at Target, and like I bought this game for nine ninety nine or whatever, and it used to be sixty, and like that's cool. But the thing about the digital sales that have that same kind of deep discount is they don't run out of them. Right. You know, yeah. you're not at the mercy of did supplies. everybody find it in the bin. Well, it's like, you know, people don't go and stand in line for game releases right. anymore because they're like, because I already preloaded the sucker three days ago. Like, so I think if you're buying like maybe four, three or four through a five full price releases on launch day over the course of the year, maybe you're still buying those physical. But I think people are buying a lot of cheap stuff later on digital. And if you pay five to nine dollars for something, are you caring that much about trading it in? Yeah. No. Like... It's a different thing. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it, the economy of scale has changed, and that wasn't really in place for the console digital s- stores when this generation began. And I think that that has changed enough that people might be more willing to accept it. The other thing that people hated about the Xbox One reveal was the idea that the discs 
didn't do anything. The discs right. just unlocked they the ability to play the game, and basically yeah. it became a coaster after right. that. Like you couldn't use that disc for anything. You couldn't trade the disc in. You couldn't do anything. So that and like that, of course, was a was a uh, you know basically that was a consolation uh, or a, uh, a capitulation to the retail uh, oh, side of things yeah. because they couldn't yet cut out the brick and mortar retail idea. Yeah. Um, I feel like you know in the same way that we're waiting we're waiting for the first person to find first of these major. Uh, Console makers to walk away from E3. We're waiting for the first one to walk away from brick and mortar. From retail, yeah. And uh, Microsoft is just desperately wanting to do that. You could feel them wanting to do that for, yeah. for you know this whole Five generation. Five years, six years, yeah. And uh, so I think that's what this is. They're testing the water of will people, you know, even in in whatever you know whatever ratio they think they're getting be off of like a new system of a new version of a revision of a system that's already been out there for a long time that most people are interested already have. They're just gauging interest and gauging response. I mean, if people freak and out, they'll have about enough this time. Thing, I mean, the timing is perfect yeah. because if it comes out early next year, they'll have a good eighteen months of data. Yep. Before if, they show, before yep. they hit E3 the next year, if E3 even exists then. If it becomes a thing where like people just revolt against the idea of a console with no disk drive, then they know, then they, know they can slap one in. To well, their, they know yeah. that even six years later, people still aren't down yep. with it. <laughs> but that's the important thing, is they find that out without ruining right. the unveiling of their yep. brand new, Absolutely. shiny new system. Yep, it's like dipping your toe in the water before you dive in. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How I, it'll turn out, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 that's a hard thing to predict. Look, I still, when I can, I still buy physical versions of games. I know I'm probably in the slight minority I really in don't. In part, you think I'm still the majority buy discs? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think it's, it's shifted to closer to like a 50-50 I think thing. it's like 50-50 now, yeah. Um, I don't buy a lot of discs anymore. Um, usually if I buy a disc, it's because I'm unsure. Yeah. I feel like maybe I need to trade this in for 40 bucks. Because I don't like it very right, much, but, right? But usually, I'm. I'm it does sure. look. It does make you more willing to take risks yeah. as well, knowing that okay, if I hate this game, I can still take it back and get like forty bucks. For yeah, it or I still whatever. have a thing that I can that has some form of value that I can, you know, get some kind of. And I wonder for. how much that plays into sales going forward if people no longer have that option. Yeah, I mean that's a big deal because that's the, that's the thing is you are cutting out an entire second wave of players because like you, know, you certainly used and, and it also used to be very valuable to use game shops especially independent used game shops i mean that's where they make all their money. all the money comes from is people that couldn't can't afford to, to be in the first run yep. so when a new generation comes out that la that previous generation becomes you know there's a whole separate audience for all those old that old hunter right here's sam yeah. <laughs> perfect example yeah and uh if you cut those people out of the loop on one hand you're like well you're not serving those customers, but then you're like, well, those are all secondhand customers, and you know the the, the console makers are not they're not making money off of them. Yeah. Only the stores are making money off them. But they are ultimately because if say Sam gets his Spider-Man game and he loves mm -hmm. Spider-Man, if Insomniac puts out a sequel to that, he might pick it up. Yeah. You, you have to be exposed to stuff first before you can get hooked on it. And look, one thing I will say that's been a great boon and a great change to how things work is the increase in public betas, live demos. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. If Fallout 76's beta were open to the public, it would have been a disaster. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I was talking about the beta, I'm like, I'm really surprised they didn't kind of give this. Now I know it's why they anymore. didn't open yeah. up to everybody. Um, so it's a double-edged sword. It could be something that's good. It can be something that's bad. 
Um, but I'm not ready to go for a disc-free console yet. Like, you know, if when they do launch their next console, if they offer a version with a drive and a version without a drive, I will pay a little extra money to have the version with the drive. Um, and it, look, in two years from now, I may be, that may be 30% of gamers. Right now it's 50-50. It could be 70-30 by the time we get there with digital. I mean, who yeah. knows? Maybe they don't even offer a version with the drive. Like, it's not that far-fetched. It's not crazy. I, I feel like because of the ground they need to make up, they would probably want to offer both. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe charge a, a you know, a chunk less for the one with no... Now how, much, charge... how much more would I pay for the version with the drive? Max $50. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, it, what makes sense to me is 25 but if it was $50 more... No, it would be, be 50 I think. I honestly think it might be 100 It could be 100 That's true. I wouldn't be surprised if the disc-free version's 300 and the drive version is $400. It depends how much Microsoft really wants you to have that discless one. Right. Yeah. Um, the other question is like if you want to make up if you don't want to have that be such a separate thing um put the put a bigger hard drive in the one with no disc but yeah. i mean i think you have to do that anyway because yeah. of what you're implying oh you do you know? yeah you could offset the cost that way and make them the same but even when you ha if you have a console with a drive you want as big a hard drive as possible yeah because you're we all know the whole, that you're installing the whole thing yeah one way or the other because the, the disc doesn't really matter anymore it's but that would key. be like my 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 play on that would probably be especially in terms of you know, a second round of testing the water, it would be it would be very interesting to put out both versions, one with the drive and without the drive, and the one without the drive just has a much bigger hard drive, same price. See who buys, see how many people buy each one. Interesting experiment. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the concern, of course, is you end up with retail stores with one version or the other shelf warming for forever. Yeah. Um, but it at least tells you where you are. Which, uh, do you think Nintendo, I don't think, I think of all the platform holders, Nintendo would love to go to, like, a, a game-free console more than anyone. You mean without, like, People media? being able to, like, share games with their friends or whatever. I can see Nintendo being the platform holder that would most like to see a disc or media-free platform. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, they are running into the problem of how much those storage solutions cost for the cartridges. Yep. I don't know. It's just such a hard call to make when you're so your your audience is so much more youth yep. skewing, in the sense that a lot of kids don't have access to that. A lot of parents would probably prefer that uh, Nintendo get rid of cards and. I don't know about that. Like, why? Because it's just something they that don't their want their kids ki lose. Well, no, they don't. Kids don't lose that. They don't lose the games that they had to work hard for or wait for all the time. I've never heard of that. Outside of like leaving this, leaving the DS somewhere, you know, dropping it off out of a car window or some whatever stupid thing the kids doing. I lost but stuff like, all the time that I loved. Looking back across my childhood, I'm like, whatever happened to that awesome thing that I had when I was nine? Like I could just go back to I'm, my whole life and think about things that I used to have that I no longer have, and I have no idea where they are. I've it's like the never, my left sock. Like, I never lost a game cartridge in my really? life. Never. Oh, I lost tons of stuff, man. I lost uh, GoldenEye for a while, but I found it when I moved. Oh, yeah? Um, it's, uh, no, I've never, never, well, never. I have. I have. Never. Like, because you could never, I couldn't replace that. I couldn't replace a $50 game. Oh, I couldn't either. Like, it didn't was, matter, though. I was a kid, and I was dumb. Nah, <laughs> I, did nah, I kept stuff. track of that shit. I can tell you where just about everything I ever owned still is. Wow. Um, I mean, uh, not the stuff I got rid of. Obviously, right. it's off yeah. somewhere in Goodwill. But, like, um, no, I, I never did that. I've lost tons of um, stuff. I think, I think kids 
keep track of the valuable stuff. My, my niece has tons of Switch games. She's never lost one. Never lost a DS game. Like wow, it's uh, if it's your primary form of entertainment, you're t- you're going to keep track of it. I think, uh, I think parents in general prefer their the kids having physical media to letting them have some kind of like unsupervised online thing like the uh hell i went through especially, my, uh, especially with a credit card attached to it you know i went through my ds collection not long ago and i had tons of game boxes with no card in them no idea where the games went where they ended up Man. could have taken them to work and used them for capture and somebody took it home when they're and put it in their system to play like i don't know there's it, stuff just goes like i don't uh, know where it is uh, <laughs> you've, you've seen my office There's, everything in there is goes back very to the 90s. organized yeah i don't think everyone's exactly like you though no but i feel like people keep track of their 30 to 60 dollar purchases pretty carefully when it comes down to it i would like to think so yeah all right we gotta just, move they're on. just throwing money out the window yeah but i can't yeah i think uh i could see nintendo going for that eventually but like um i mean didn't the but then like you never know because you look at uh uh the place the psp go Apparently that people were not ready for that one. I have it. I have the PSP. People hated it. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked it. It was a good kit of hardware. I mean, I don't. It just I, had no drive. Yeah. <laughs> In a couple of definitions. Yeah. Um, it was certainly better than the US US. US what was it? What were they called? The what? The 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 discs for the PSP. UMDs. UMDs. It was certainly yeah. better than using those because I mean I. I still remember holding the PSP. I was like, you can hear it, and feel it. Yeah, it was like. It is funny to think about a handheld with like a moving disc drive. Yeah, they're they're a weird little little anomaly. Only Sony. Weird little glitch in the matrix over the course of. Oh, I have tons of UMDs. Like for whatever reason, I ended up getting like tons of like anime sent to me and like all kinds of crazies. I literally have a Ziploc bag this big that's this fat with UMDs. I have a I have a beta version or like a preview version of something I know, like one of those. I, oh, it's Guitaru Man. Yeah, it's it's like an. I have tons of that. like unproduced game. Like yeah. Anyway, we got to move on. We got to talk about Pokemon now, man. Hmm. Um, I think this might be a case where I ended up being right about Pokemon. Let's go Pikachu mm-hmm. and Eevee. Um, we were kind of confused, I think, about what the game was. We knew that it was like a rough remake of Pokemon Yellow, which was a remake of Pokemon Red and Blue. Which was a remake of Red and Green. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, these, this game has been on down through the ages. But I think, at least I was under the impression that it was a lot more different from those games than it ultimately ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um, because I thought that the Pokemon Go stuff was way more prevalent and played way more into kind of the the base functionality of the game. But now that I've played it, it really, to me, is just Pokemon Yellow. I wouldn't go that far. Um, it, it It is very much my first Pokemon. Yeah. Um, not just in the sense that Red and Blue were the first Pokemon of many people. Um, but it's it's... I think it's a very easy thing to get into. It's easy on the eyes. It's 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 charming. Um, it's very pleasant to play. <laughs> That's a good way to describe um, it. Yeah. Like it's it's so easy. It is um, easy. But it's like it's a pleasant romp through the Pokemon world. And if you've been only exposed in recent years to Pokemon through Pokemon Go, I feel There's like a lot of people. I feel like, like this this will ease you in very nicely. Yeah. Uh, I think it's designed to be that way. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the irony is that trying to get Pokemon Go to talk to this game. Is a nightmare. Yeah, uh, both in convoluted. terms of both in terms of getting the blue Bluetooth stuff to work with each with itself, 
And in terms of like, there's a, there's a park about 15 hours into the game you get to where you can transfer Pokemon from Go into Let's Go. And it's a, it's a, it's handy because there's like you know there's there's Pokemon in le- where like you know anyone who's played this game in the past knows like there's a point early on where you have to pick between two different fossils yep. and one of the fossils in the originals you got one fossil and the other one you would have to basically trade someone for yep. the other Pokemon but in in this if you've caught one of those Pokemon the Pokemon you didn't pick for the fossil for in Pokemon Go, you just transfer it in, go in, catch it, catch it in the Pokemon Go park, and you're done. Yeah. Like no trading required. The problem is that the instructions for doing that are incredibly convoluted, and Pokemon Let's Go doesn't help you at all. Yeah. Uh, the, to, to, to find the correct order of things you have to do, you actually have to look in like the little tutorial thing in Pokemon Go's settings section that kind of explains. Oh, you have to. You can't just connect them because like Pokemon Let's Go indicates you just connect them. And it'll just sit there and spin forever. Yeah. What you have to do is you have to go into your Pokemon list and let's go, poke the switch button in the corner, highlight all the Pokemon you want to transfer, and then hit yes like three times where it's like, are you sure? Because if something happens, they're all going to be destroyed. And yeah. you're like, okay, I hope the switch is on. You know? And then you load up the thing on the switch for the switch game, and it'll do it and do the thing. Um, and then it'll give you the, the exclusive uh, Pokemon in Let's Go, which you could then raise and then transfer into... Uh, in Pokemon Go, you get the exclusive... Uh, Melton or whatever it's called, Pokemon for doing that trade, and then once you you can trade that into Pokemon, let's go. So he's actually 152. So if you're like me Pokemon. and you played Pokemon Go sparingly, you can play this game, load up on Pokemon, and transfer them all into Go. I don't think you can transfer them to Go. Oh, you can't. I think you can only tra- so far. I've only found you can transfer from Go to this. Oh, to really? If, if you can transfer from Let's Go into Go, I have not found a way to do it. Interesting. Just a one-way street. Yeah. Which is fine for me, because I have tons of Pokemon I captured in Go that I don't use for anything, so I just transferred a ton of them in. And you can play, like, if you get, like, over 25 in a par- in a Pokemon Go park uh, in, in the Switch game, you can play, like, a Pokemon herding game, which I haven't done that yet, but I, they keep telling me I could go herd Pokemon. I'm just like, <laughs> well, that sounds like a great time. Um... So yeah, uh, the the connectivity is um, awkward. And then like the funny thing is, uh, this happened when you were here. Actually, I finally got it to work. And then as I was leaving the town, it's in uh, Jesse and James, their Team Rocket right. villains, are da- were down there, and they and they literally say. There's a park up there where you can connect to Pokemon Go, but it's all confusing, and there's apps and connectivity, and I just ran away. And I was like, wow, somebody knew. Somebody knew that was garbage. Very (laughs) self-aware. So that was was weird. Um, Other than that, uh, for the most part, I actually really like it. Yeah, I really Um, like it, too. I mean, we can assume most of our audience has played Pokemon Red or Blue. Um, And so let's just talk about what really are the differences. The big difference is that... When you catch wild Pokemon, instead of battling them and whittling them down mm-hmm. to like their last hit point before capturing them, you just capture them. Yeah. Well, actually, the big difference, I would say, is there's no random battles. Yeah. That's the biggest change and the biggest thing that I think they should carry forward. Into I've had the... random Pokemon just pop up. Well, yeah, but the, you can see them before No, you no, fight. I haven't seen them before, and I've just been attacked. That doesn't happen. It did happen with well, the Pikachu. Absolutely. Pikachu. I have it on video. What? Yeah. A Pikachu. Nothing on the screen and just... Up pops a battle with a Pikachu, a wild Pikachu. Well, that's not supposed to happen. It did. Mm. It absolutely did. Like you had to fight it? Yeah. And well, I had you... to capture it. But you didn't fight it? No. 
Okay, well, so it's, what happened there is probably it popped up, it spawned underneath your uh, character. Ah, so quickly that I never saw yeah. the avatar. Um, but uh, you, know, you can see, there are no random battles in this game. It's, it's, uh, you can see them walking around you know, on the overworld, and you walk into them to fight. Or they pop up underneath you, or they run into you. That happens sometimes. And they have you don't have full control. around there's, them. There's a reason there's still repel items in the game, yeah. just to get these freaking monsters away Well, in the you. live stream I did of this game, like, there was a certain point where I was just being bombarded by Pidgeys, yeah. and I was like, just get yeah. away! Just go away! Leave me so alone. that's the biggest, to me, that's the biggest change, is that you have full control over when you engage with anything. Yep. Either a trainer or, or a monster. Yep. As long as you don't um, walk in the path of a trainer, I would definitely battle. love to see them adapt that into the mainline series. Yeah. Um, I don't see Agreed. any reason, I don't see any reason to keep doing the random battles yep. in this. Because at least this way, yeah, at least this way, there's a little more streamlining to it, and I like it. It's not even just about streamlining; it's just about being able to prepare for the game and not mm-hmm. just being randomly caught off guard. It's a cheap tactic to me, random battles, and there's a reason that most RPGs have got rid of them. Mm-hmm. But even, even Dragon than, Quest Eleven, if Dragon Quest gets rid of them, you can get yeah, Pokemon. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, that's a really good point. But otherwise, this is just a pretty Pokemon. Red and blue. Well, the other problem is uh, the forced motion controls. Yeah. When you capture... It's so bad. When you ca- you don't fight the Pokemon to capture them, but what you do is you play basically the exact same little mini game that you play in Pokemon Go. Yep. Uh, and to toss a Pokeball. You have to toss a Pokeball you butter physically. butter them up with candy first. Yeah, if you want. And, like, different items do that. But, like, basically you'll see the, it's the same thing. There's the ring and the colored ring that contracts around them. Yeah. And it's different colors, and the color of the ring indicates how difficult it is going to be to capture them. And the problem here is huh. if you're playing it handheld, you can either use the gyro to aim, or you can use the left stick to aim, and then you press the button to throw the ball. Yeah. If you are playing docked, you have to use motion controls yep. and bite me <laughs> because holy crap, this doesn't work right. I just don't understand. Like that's that whole part of the game, I don't get. You it's can't like, play. Sometimes I can like change my orientation to face a Pokemon. Sometimes mm-hmm. I can't. It's very weird. Like the the the, the basic premise is that you know because like to throw each ball. It, you have to select get ready yeah. on the menu. Which is annoying. And when, and when, but when, the point is, when you, the reason that is the way it is is because when you select get ready, it basically zeroes the controller. So however right. you're holding the yeah. controller when you press that button, that's what it's taking as neutral. It's, it's expecting you to have the, the controller pointed at the screen. Right. So that's like how and you kind you of flip it up align and you flip it up. And sometimes it just dribbles out. Sometimes it flies to the left or the right. So when you try to throw it to the left or right, it doesn't do anything. Right. Like it's just the same. And like the good news is though that you get so many balls. Yeah, there's no shortage of balls. <laughs> I, think I have like a hundred and like fifty pokeballs. It's uh, I'm 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 up to the 200 range somewhere. Yeah. Normal ones. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's it's. If you beat a trainer and you get like five. And but... you don't get like it's not like the old game where like. You know, certain, you know, the high-level balls were like, oh, you better only save it. Right. Like, by the time I had to use my first Ultra Ball, I had, like, 60 of them. And yeah. I never bought them. Yeah. Like, you never have to buy, like, they keep talking to me. It's the same dialogue a lot of times in the original Game Boy game. But it's like, oh, don't forget to stock up on po- No, fuck that. No, like, really you never need them. to buy Pokeballs. <laughs> you don't. Ever. Yeah. Um, so it's freer. It's freer. Just like it just rains balls down on you <laughs> at all times. So you don't have to. It, it rains great balls. But there's a point at which when I'm trying to do the stupid motion control thing and I'm wasting like ten balls on this damn thing. Yeah. 
And there's like even a skill element where like if you know if you if you hit the ball on the nose of the Pokemon like kind of in the middle of the two rings and the, especially when the colored ring is smaller, yeah. you get either a great or an excellent or a or nice. Nice. <laughs> um, nice is the weakest. Yeah. But if I hit an excellent like right in the middle of that ball, right in the middle of that ring. That fucker should be captured. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. like there's an element of like, even if I'm using a like generic Pokeball, like it yeah. should just be captured. Yeah. If you're gonna give, if you're gonna make this into like some kind of stupid, like stupid human tricks thing. Well, there's no rhyme or reason to whether you capture him or not. It's just a crapshoot, really. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a randomized. It's like yeah. you have a whatever percentage. A hidden you can percentage. do it perfectly with a powerful ball, and right. it'll still break out. And it's like to me, if you're gonna add like this kind of skill based throw element. You gotta reward that, and I'm, I think it Agreed. does up the percentage. It does, chance. yeah. But it, like, if you get an excellent, if you nail an excellent with a like an ultra ball, just give it to me. Yeah, man. Like you, you just hand it to you. Like, and um, so that's so. I, but like, if I could just play, like, he doesn't have pro controller support. You have to play with either one Joy-Con, one Joy-Con, which is weird. Because if you play it handheld, you can use both Joy-Cons, right. and you can move with the the, the, the stick the on stick. the left one, and then use yeah. the buttons on the right. You cannot use two Joy-Cons to play it yeah. when it's docked. Because the other Joy-Con is used for second player. Yeah. So you have to take your thumb off the stick and hit a button. Yep. You can't do both at the same um, time. It's really weird. And uh, so there's three options when you're in docked mode. You can use the left Joy-Con, the right Joy-Con, or the Pokeball Plus. Yeah. And you did get the I Pokeball do have, Plus. I did get the one of the Pokeball Plus. The Pokeball Plus sucks. Yeah. So don't um, spend the extra money for that. Well, the... do it if you want Mew. Ah. Uh. Because Mew well, comes in. you could probably in. get him eventually anyway. I though. don't know. I, don't, I haven't run into one yet. But yeah. it's been useful. Having a psychic Pokemon that it early helps is helps a lot. Absolutely. But um, I tried it for like five to ten minutes. And after the first few throws, <laughs> I'm like, well, part of it is because it's too small for my hand. I mean, yeah. it's, not, it's not made for my hand. It's made for a kid. You know, obviously. It's, it's, if, I w if I had a hand half my size, it probably would work pretty well. Because it is small. It is very small. Yeah. My hand it's just like does... the size of like a pool ball, I guess, really. Oh, way smaller Maybe smaller than that. Than that. A racquetball. Racquetball, yeah. yeah. It's closer to that. It's very small. It's, um, so to me, it's more useful as, uh, okay, I got Mew. And you can still do the thing where you put a Pokemon in it and walk around with it. That's cool. And it still <laughs> works as a, po as a, uh, a Pokemon Go Plus yep. thing. For like instant capturing when you when you, if you pair it, yeah, which is also a problem because of the Bluetooth problems. Yeah, but well, that's Bluetooth. That's Bluetooth being Bluetooth, sure. Um, so yeah, I th it, it, that stuff is annoying. I wish they would just patch in the ability to use a pro controller in the same way you play the game handheld mode. Like I don't if you if you're not gonna make me do the stupid motion control stuff handheld mode, why don't you let me do that when I play it docked? Because I don't want to play it handheld. Yeah. I want to play it docked. Yeah. It also causes a problem where like if you have any kind of motor dysfunction any kind of handicap of that in that regard whatsoever you're not gonna be able to play this game properly no, that's a good point which actually. is like why why are you gate gatekeeping pokemon from people who can't move because typically properly? it's a franchise where people do have disabilities they can play it right just fine exactly just fine uh, i agree the controls in the game are goofy i actually have preferred to play this handheld I can see that. I just With can't. With the TV I on, can't. I just sit on the couch because it's also it's a very you can just let it sit there. Yeah. This all turn based, like I'll put it down, watch TV for twenty minutes, pick it up, play the game for ten minutes. But the other thing is, like for for the most part, outside of some pretty awful shadows, yeah. Uh, I think it looks good on it the does TV. Look good, it's yeah. nice and clean, and it's yep. it's it's bouncy and and you know attractive. It's there's the shadows for you. Yeah, <laughs> the shadows are awful. Yeah. But like you know, the animation's nice. It's nice to see all the all Frame the moves. dips here and there yeah. too, which is really bad because it's drawing like fifty polygons. Wow, that is time. bad. Yeah. I don't I don't think mine's doing that. Yeah. My frame rate has dipped a ton. Are you capturing this off docked? 
uh, docked here. Wow. I can't. I don't even know how to capture. That looks handheld. like way worse than mine. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. Um, but I love this game. I think it's great. Uh, I honestly, if they made every Pokemon game like this going forward, I'd be 100% fine with it. I don't think I'd go that far. Uh, but I do think if they want to turn this into like a, the side series that kind of parallels the, the main series... And like, you know, here's we don't get a main series game or an update of that game. Like, you get one of these. Totally what do, on what board. What do you think is missing that you would want in the that other mainline thing that you're talking about? Um, well, it's hard to say because I'm not actually a huge hardcore Pokemon fan, but I do know that the hardcore hates this game. But why? Because it is still... It's like the best Pokemon game ever. It is still dumb. Well, partly, partly is because there is a contingent of younger Pokemon fans that think everything is too geared towards Gen 1. And they don't like Gen they, 1 they like need they do. need to let go of, of the uh, Gen One thing. I mean, I get that to some degree. I am not a Gen One purist, really. I but although once you get past Gen Three, I'm kind of checked out. Yeah. I don't remember what anybody's name is after Gen Three. Yeah. Although my favorite Pokemon game is probably Black and White. It's really um, good because it has yeah. the best story. You're kind of up against like this. That like, was one thing I was gonna say. You, you you're really, up against Peta in yeah. Black and White, and I kind of dig that. You don't really think that the story has evolved much in Pokemon until you play this. Yeah, it's definitely. And after playing like Sun and Moon, like you really see how yeah, even you, even incorporating kind of the the because this is a remake of Yellow, where they incorporated the cartoon right. element of Jesse and and. Uh, James and mm-hmm. the and the whole um, Team, Team Rocket, Rocket thing being yeah. more pronounced and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it, it. But it is a nice throwback. Like I mean, I played Pokemon Red and Blue. I was in my twenties when Red and Blue came out. It's not like I'm, you know, it's not like it defined my childhood or right, anything. Right. But I did enjoy it, and I, I do enjoy going back to it and playing it and seeing everything kind of look better and be done in this like full 3D thing. It's cool. Like, it, it, I like it. Uh, it's 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 is a nice definitely thing. without a doubt the best 3d pokemon game ever yeah not even close well you mean like graphically yeah 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 i like more i like i think the detail that sun and moon is going for in places but it doesn't have the fidelity that this does but you do realize that the story back in the first couple pokemons were very simple yeah well definitely there's not there's you remember like, that, like even the, black and white had some innuendo here and there that like adults could like kind of wink and nod to. But. Yeah, but also remember that like it's only very recently that Nintendo even really started putting any kind of effort into their stories. Yeah, you're like right. that's true. Nintendo has always kind of leaned on that whole like it should be fun to play without the story thing, and they've sort of you know it, for a long time. Um, you know, Aonuma's basically been sneaking the story into Zelda. Like, right. you know, like like the, the the timeline of the Zelda games is a secret from Miyamoto for a while because Miyamoto didn't think they should have continuity. Well, it also doesn't make a lick of sense, so. Right. <laughs> but, like, uh, you know, outside of, like, the Fire Emblems, like, there's not a whole lot of story yeah. work going on at Nintendo. But, but like, Pokemon has gotten a lot better Pokemon in that regard has improved, over the years. And you yeah. really realize it when you go back and you play this one. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's kind of charming in how simple it is in that yeah. regard. Um, I'm but, really loving it. I'm having a great time. I think time that, you know, like Gen 8, you're going to see next next time, next year, like it's going to have all the new stuff. It's going to have a lot more. There's going to be Pokemon breeding and there's going to be all these different. I mean, there, there's a lot of like of the later uh, enhancements here. There are shiny Pokemon. Yep. There's male and female Pokemon. Not that yep. it seems to make any difference. All Pokemon have various stats. Uh, you know, Jim Sterling was talking about how he was like, he spent like 
two hours trying to catch an, an, an ECANS with a perfect stat lineup, which I'm like, man, I could ne- it would never occur to me to spend my life doing that. That's, <laughs> uh, yeah, but he wanted a shiny, perfect ECANS, and he got it. Yeah. More power to him. Um, so there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. It's a good, great, it's a great Pokemon game. I would honestly, if you like Pokemon, go buy this yeah. without hesitation. I would say so. And then like the, uh, or if you want to introduce someone to Pokemon, this is oh, also yeah, really perfect for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, there, is, there isn't, one of the problems that the hardcore fan base has, which is it doesn't have the, the, you know, the competitive scene happening here, really, in the same way that the handheld ones do. Yeah. It doesn't have the post-game to the same level. But there are, you know, you do get a master, a Pokemon master for every Pokemon that pop up in the end game that you can go uh, fight against. So, you know, 150 or more yeah. to see. Yeah. That's if a you, lot. If, if to be a Pokemon master is your destiny. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> So there is a lot to do. It's just sort of, it's it's not as like grindy and hardcore and and granular as like the mainstream Pokemon. You know, people are brigading this game. Like Anima, so Amazon dumb. Japan had to shut down user reviews because the fans were downvoting it. So we're, we're, you, can, you can just tell they didn't play it. Yeah. What's, <laughs> Well, because well, for, like for some reason, for some reason, everybody's terrified that this, like you, like you said, they're afraid that this is what the mainline game is going to become. I don't I'd think be that's totally going to happen. I don't. I don't know. I, I still can't understand you are, the differences between a mainline game and this. Yeah, but that's like someone saying they don't understand the difference between like, I don't know, like that stupid like like game where the gods are fighting each other, fighting game, and Street Fighter. Like there's a difference between like I don't think it's that. Stark. It's not, it, but it's it's not that stark. But it, there is a difference. There, this is. I'm a, still not sure though. I, I'm still not sure what the difference is between this game and a mainline Pokemon game. Well, you're never. You gonna said s- there's not as much post game content. That's. Or I'm not at the post game, so I don't know. But again, I don't play a lot of post game content. I don't either. Like I finished but, the campaign and I'm pretty much done. Yeah, but that's what like the hardcore fan base just doesn't has not engaged with this game in a weird way. And like, I think the guy they should who, give it a chance. I think they should too. But the game, yeah. the guy who runs... Uh, see, mine doesn't look like that frame rate wise. It oh, doesn't yeah. do that. I don't know what's happening there. That's weird. Maybe it's uh, the capture or something. Maybe. The, um, but like the, like the guy who runs uh, Cerebi.net, like the big, huge Pokemon... Yeah. He, he said on Reset Era that there is... Um, no, there has never been a Pokemon game, spinoff or mainline, that has been had less engagement on his site than this. Does game. he hate it though? No, he likes it, oh, he and he got it. death threats because he said he liked it. Oh, okay. Like Interesting. it's it's like if you say you like it and you're part of kind of the the Pokemon hardcore community, you kind of get pariahed a oh, little bit, Lord. or have been. I don't know if they're again. Tur- here's I don't know another example of where I cannot relate with modern. I don't players. know if they're turning around on this or not. I think it's fun. It's so I think it's silly. fun. It's great. If you're one of these people, you're listening to people like that, stop listening to them. You're going to love this game. If you like Pokemon, you're going to love Pokemon. Let's go. I, I mean, the motion control it. stuff is annoying. It is. But like, Agreed. If you really are having trouble, like just when, you know, if you're trying to ca- capture a particular difficult Pokemon, just switch to handheld briefly yeah. and do it that I've been, way. I started playing Docked. I needed to play it Docked and grab footage for the show. But once I got the footage done, I just played it all handheld. Chilling on my couch, watching football, and yeah, I still prefer it. Doc. I don't like playing stuff handheld with something as bulky as the Switch. I don't think I don't like that. And I've kind of gotten used to the one-handed, the one Joy-Con yeah, play. Yeah, me too. Because like, yeah. okay. like the clicking the stick and pressing the A button are pretty much the same thing. They so are. It's, yeah, it's not that bad. 
Um, it's just, I get, to, you know, because sometimes I'll go through stretches where you're fighting trainers, because trainers, you just fight like a normal RPG. Yep. And so I'll go through periods where I'm just going through like exploration or like doing a lot of trainer stuff or a dungeon or whatever, and I'm just sort of laying on the couch playing one handed. Yeah. And then I'm like, it's a very, but then it's I get back to work, but then I get to the point where I have to capture some Pokemon. I got to sit up yep. and like little, <laughs> <laughs> make fucking sure it's ah, fucking. You know, it's, it's, um, great. The, 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 the motion controls just ruin everything. Yeah. Just, just, <laughs> a lot of times they do. Uh, I like them in Splatoon. Uh, I like being able to fine tune my aim with the gyro controls. But yeah, but you can part, do that on handheld, like with this. Like that's the one place it works. Yeah. It's like you can aim with that gyro right, right. and press the button to throw. <laughs> Buttons. They've worked for decades. Yeah. Why do we have to? St- this doesn't. It doesn't know where I'm throwing. There's it just never no point. knows. There's no point. I have not there, found a reliable one where they way. tried to make it more like Pokemon Go. Right. They go like, trying to make it familiar to people. It's like. You know what? In Pokemon Go, you just flick the you thing flick and the it's finger. fine. It goes the direction you flick your Actually, hand. Actually, I haven't tried. Can you just use the touch screen on the Switch to do that? I don't know. I didn't try I'll that. bet you can. Maybe. <laughs> I don't bet know. You can. But why would you? When it's in a handheld, you, you can just use the, the button. button. <laughs> so, so, anyway. Yeah. Patch in Pro Controller support for docked mode. That would be my main request. But otherwise, I think it's great. Yeah, two thumbs up from us. We're both really enjoying Pokemon. Let's go. Which version did you get? Pikachu. Me too. That's actually... Actually, that if we're going to nitpick... Pikachu and Eevee both get like their their you know cartoon style voices. Pika Pika like that whole mm-hmm. thing. All the other Pokemon in the game sound like their old like Game Boy counterparts. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like, I think they could have put in the effort and made all the Pokemon sound like their cartoon counterparts, where they actually sound you know, yeah. they say their names or whatever. I that agree. would be the one thing I think I would like changed. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm loving but it. Otherwise, it's, I'm having yeah, a good time. It's good. Like I don't you know I played it for like 15, 20 hours like. I don't, I don't sit down and play a Pokemon game that long unless I like it. And if you played Red and Blue, then you know the game's about 25 hours long. Yeah, and then you got the 150-whatever right. Masters to play, and I'm sure... That, it is really easy. Uh, the game's really it easy. It is, yeah. The only really hard part... It puts part, up, like, hardly any resistance. The only hard part is really the Elite Four. Yeah. Um, which you, cause, And that's only hard because you have to do all four of them in a row without a break, which is tradition. That's just yeah. how it goes. There's a couple gauntlets in the game where your Pokemon start to get a little thin. Like, it's basically like a like hedge mazes where they make you fight, like, 20 trainers yeah. in a row or whatever. But you can always just turn around and go back can, to the Pokemon yeah. Center and then come back and everything's still done. Yeah. The, the Elite Four easy. are not like that. It's yeah. like one go or nothing. You gotta nothing. do it, which is the way it's always been. So. So, uh, so, yeah, so it's not like a super pushover to completely finish it, but the walk there is pretty leisurely. Yep. Especially because you can get the... Uh, Sometimes it's a little confusing, too, because the map isn't really a map. It's just, like, this basic, like, block layout of the world. Yeah, but you're used to that if you play these games. You are, but there's, like, one way, like, where if you jump down off the ledge, you can't just go back up the ledge. (laughs) You have to find yourself, like, all the way around. It's Pokemon. Yeah. It's always been that way. And I do like that they streamline the... um, the necessary special moves. Yeah. So like you, you know, like cut and surf and fly are all. Uh, well, fly is just part of Pokemon who can fly if you take because you can. You always you have can... Pikachu or Eevee out of the ball, but if you take one of the other Pokemon out of the ball, like say like it's like I have Charizard and it can, can fly, ride him, so yeah. I just ride him around. You, you, like you fly over everything. Like yeah. you, you fly over the the paths and you don't have to fight anybody and it's like yeah. it's great. You move much faster. It's great. Um, but Pikachu gets, well, I'm sure in Eevee, they get like sp- the special moves like cut and the stuff you need to use to progress, yeah. you know, cut and push and, uh, surf and fast travel is a fast travel ability. And so you don't have to use up 
move slots. Like you used right. to have to teach individual Pokemon. You had to like basically like take a, take a Pokemon and then like I take if it. you have it, you just have it. Yeah, I'd take some Pokemon and be like, okay, you're my basically my progress bitch. Right. You know? You're you're gonna <laughs> like, have all the TMs. You're never installed. gonna fight. Yeah. You're just gonna have all the stupid <laughs> things I need to do to get through shit. Yeah. Um, and now that's all kind of a separate thing, which I like. I think Absolutely. I think it makes the game less annoying and it, and it also removes the distinct possibility of some of the old games had where if you accidentally got rid or, or or had a problem with a particular Pokemon and they were the only one that could do that move, you were stuck. Yeah. No, you, get, right. you get trapped on islands and you're trapped. You're stuck. Yeah. Absolutely stuck. Yeah. I do wish when you cut down bushes in this game they stayed cut down. Yeah. That's that kind of annoying. annoying. Yeah, it's really annoying. I don't know if there's a reason for that, but I find that interesting. I haven't figured out a reason for it yet. No, just let me just let me walk Once through there. Once they're again. gone, they're just mm. they should be gone. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're nitpicking. That's like, n- definitely nitpicking. Yeah, game is really fun. It's a lot of fun. It's faithful conversion. I, I love it. So that's two thumbs up from it'd us. Be a, it'd be a, it would be a lot of fun to play on Christmas morning. Yeah, absolutely. I All would. day long. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally see that, being a kid and being like, mm-hmm. holy crap, I got the Pokemans. And then just taking it over to Grandma's house. And yep. That's where the portability Or really hell, if into. Dad gets one and you get the other one, and you both play together <laughs> They're cool morning. dads like yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> just fighting over who gets Pikachu. Yeah, exactly. Who the gets kid's Pikachu. like, why do you care so much about Pikachu? It's like, don't worry about a kid. Don't worry about a kid. It was a 90s thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is time to move on to the grand finale of episode 149. And that is where we pick the winner of the Sifted T-shirt photo competition. So before we get started, we have 10 finalists uh, that we're going to be grading. And Matt and I are going to essentially... Look at each photo, make a couple comments mm-hmm. about it, and then we're both going to score it on a scale of 1 to 10. And he, I can't see what he scores it. I, he can't see what I score each, each photo. And then once we get through all 10, we're going to add up the scores, and whichever photo has the highest aggregate score will win the competition. And then that person gets a free game of their choice. So... Do we have pens for this? I just realized that, <laughs> I, that I'm going to have to me- unplug, so... Pull, turn me down, Sam, so I can unplug and get pens. While well, he's gone, uh, let me ask one of the... Uh, someone in the comments of this episode, can you... who, If someone's a, a bigger and more detailed Pokemon fan than I am, can you explain to Shane why Let's Go is not the same as the mainline games? Like, give, give him some kind of like bullet point list of like why I'm not wrong. Because I can't fully explain it properly, but I know that it's not the same because I've read so much forum complaining about it, but I just don't, I haven't retained enough of it to make a valid argument about it. So someone, some Pokemon hardcore dude, step in and, and, and tell us why Let's Go is not acceptable as a mainline game. All right. So here it is, the moment of truth. Like I said, we have 10 different photos. And uh, you need a book to write on that? Yep. I need one, too. All right. Our first photo, and not everyone, some people submitted these on Twitter and did not include their screen name on Sifted. So some of the names that we're going to use are their names on Twitter. So our first one comes from someone you should know. He's a Sifted regular. He's been a part of the crew from day one. His name is Short Raver. So bring up the first one. So Short Raver went to PAX Australia and uh, took a picture in front of the main sign. Now keep in mind that when we started this competition, I, I instructed people to, th- that we would grade each photo based on creativity 
exposure of the sifted brand, composition, framing, etc. So we, we're trying to look at everything. Now keep in mind, obviously, he's at PAX Australia. Big crowds there, lots of exposure to uh, the sifted brand to people. So that's certainly a big positive. Um, so so right, are we doing a separate rating for each thing? No, no, no. Just, Just one score one. for each photo from 1 to 10. All right, I have my score. All right. That's from Short Raver. Okay, next up, Jay Lynn. You guys have seen him on the site as well, and that's his name on the site. Jay Lynn took a different angle. He somehow managed to score a Magic Leap 1 AR headset, which I've never even seen with my own two eyes before. Have you ever seen one? Uh, not that, no. I've seen the... I've seen the... HoloLens. I've never seen a Magic Leap in person. Well, somehow Jay Lynn got a hold of one. I don't know if he works in development or maybe he works at Magic Leap. I don't know. But he decided to take a photo outside with the Magic Leap with the uh, powder blue and dark blue shirt. So give it a score. All right. Next up. You guys all know this guy. He's actually He actually does some work for us. This is Burko. And he's got the mirror selfie going on. Hmm. He's also got the light blue with the dark blue. But yeah, he, he took the he went the traditional route. He took the mirror selfie. Yeah. All right, you got your score. Mm -hmm. Next up is Mike's Q. And hmm. so. Mike's Q, here's a little background. First of all, Mike's Q carved a sifted jack-o'-lantern. And he sent us a separate photo that actually shows it lit up. So it is a legit jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, we used that on the Halloween show. Yeah. We used just the yeah, jack-o'-lantern. Just the jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. The yeah. separate photo we put up for the Halloween show. So here's another little background for you. Aside from the jack-o'-lantern, the beer that he is holding in his right hand, he is a fellow Pennsylvanian. And there is a beer in Pennsylvania called Yingling that is legendary in mm. Pennsylvania. Um, and he knew that I'm a fellow Pennsylvanian, so he made sure to include the Yingling beer in with his, uh, his photograph. So yep. he has the Yingling beer, which is near and dear to my heart. Also famous for, with uh, Star Wars fans. Yingling is? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's why Obi-Wan was so mad at Anakin, because he killed all the Yinglings. <laughs> Did you just make that up? No. Is that a that's, joke? That's an actually running really? gag. It was a comic about wow, it. Wow, yeah, that's, that's great. Thing. Okay, so Mike's Q has a jack-o'-lantern and the yingling. Next up, and this is one person who submitted on Twitter, but did not give his name on Siftus. I honestly don't know what it is, but on Twitter, his name is TM. He's got the white, the shirt that I'm rocking right now, the white mm -hmm. with the violet, and uh, he gave us the two thumbs up in the kitchen. Is he cooking anything back there? Yeah, he's got a tea kettle on. Yeah. <laughs> and looks like the, the laundry's open. Yeah. <laughs> All right, give him a score. Mm -hmm. Next up is Joseph LaRussa. And he took his photo at BlizzCon. Wow. And he is, he says... At Ten. the very front of the line. Ten for exposure. That's about as good of the exposure as you're going to get. Keep in mind, too, that the sifted logo is on the back of the shirt, mm -hmm. and everyone's behind him. So the exposure there is pretty extreme, and it's a great photo as well. 
Composition's mm -hmm. good. Look at how far the crowd goes back through there. Leading lines. Yeah. You got, uh, you know. I'm assuming that's two of his boys there right behind him. Mm -hmm. They look like they're ready to kick some ass or something. <laughs> <laughs> must be right after the Diablo announcement. It must be. Yeah, this must have been after it was over. <laughs> Maybe he's, this is the He's line. the only one who looks happy, so yeah. <laughs> All right, let's give him a score. Uh, okay. Next up is Manly Scream, and that's his name on Sifted. Manly Scream also took a different angle. He he took a photo, obviously, but he actually, he, like, because it, he does graphic design, he actually built like a poster or created a poster for Sifted. And I wish we could see better the Sifted because if you look at the, the actual word Sifted, it's all built out of video game characters. I, I guess see Mario. In yeah, there, Mario's yeah. in the S there if you, if you look really closely. Um, so this was a unique angle. Mm -hmm. He still took the photo with the shirt, but he also kind of used what he's really good at and his, his personal skills to give it a little bit of his own flair. So pretty good. All right. You got your score? Mm -hmm. Next up is Rowdy Wabbit. Again, very creative. He took the sifted shirt. And it's very odd that almost all these photos are the light blue with the dark blue shirt because that is the shirt we have the most left over of for whatever reason mm. so far of what we sold. And uh, he obviously took the sifted shirt and put it on his character in Monster Hunter World. Again, a very creative approach. It's more of a screenshot than a photo, but still very, very creative. And it's yeah. great to see... That design, one of our designs inside a video game. I don't know how he did it, but uh, somehow he pulled it off. So pretty freaking cool. All right, and we only got two left. The next one comes from Pitor, and he decided to go. And apparently, this photo is was taken uh, at the British Bay in County Wicklow in Ireland. So he actually went down to the ocean to a beautiful ocean shore and took his photo. Lots of thumbs up in these. I like yep. this. Everyone's positive, having a good time. Now the the the, logo, the picture is almost a thumbs upy sort of thing. It is kind of yeah, subliminal. Yep. So bonus points to him for going somewhere. <laughs> Seriously, leaving the house. Yes. I mean, I mean, not that he just leave the house. He went down to the beach and got a very photogenic shot. So put your score down for that one. And our last photo is from, and I'm not actually sure how you say his name on the site, but his name on the site is SJ0S. And so he lives in Las Vegas, and he went to the crazy brand new Las Vegas eSports arena. And presumably, I'm guessing he didn't kidnap these people, so I'm guessing... That's his wife or girlfriend and his daughter. And if you also mm. notice the menu, he took the time to hand draw a sifted logo on the menu that's sticking up there. So he wrangled the family. Also, I should mention... You, you know that that's, that's not SJ0S? Are you sure? Oh, I don't know wearing, that. Wearing the shirt? It might be, maybe it's a she. That is a good point. It's possible. But I do not believe that to be the case. No? I don't think so. Because someone had to take the photo. Well, someone had to take all the photos. Right. I don't know. That's a good point. I didn't ask any questions. But I will say this. So keep the photo up, please. Uh, she's wearing a shirt. Not only that, the daughter or the young girl, he, he actually posted several photos. 
In one of the other photos, the young girl has a Sleep is for the Dead shirt on. Mm. So it's like a family rocking, like, sifted gear, which I freaking love. Uh, obviously went out to the eSports Arena in Vegas, got some some exposure to the brand there. Um, pretty strong photo. Mm-hmm. Got your score? Yeah. Okay, pass your scores over and let me tabulate. Provided I can read them. Your writing's pretty Not good. Not that bad. <laughs> it's funny, our scores have almost all been the same. That's pretty funny, man. Wow, that is that is pretty close. Uh huh. <laughs> That's crazy. Hmm. I was. I thought I might have been too hard on a couple of these, but we're apparently in the same. No, we are literally like we rocked it. It's like perfect. This is crazy. <sighs> Okay, we have a winner, mm -hmm. and the winner is Mike's Q. You carve, you carve vegetables, and yeah, man, it's, that, it's all about the effort, man. Like the amount of time he spent to carve that pumpkin, and the added personal touch, knowing I'm a fan of Yingling, to bust out mm -hmm. the Yingling beer. The thing that actually... Uh, it's also a great photo. Yeah, the thing that also helped me push, push uh, my score up is the fact that he, he got the pumpkin-colored shirt. Yep. It's all the photo's great. The shirt matches the pumpkin. It's Halloween-themed. Uh, the effort that he put into it. Uh, there you go. Mike's Q is the winner of the first ever and possibly last ever... <laughs> <laughs> Sifted T-shirt photo competition. Uh, I want to thank all you guys for participating. I want to thank everyone who's bought shirts so far. Uh, I really appreciate it. We're right on the cusp of breaking even. Uh, we're very close. We only need to sell a couple more. Uh, so I guess all overall, it's been a net positive. Uh, it's great to see you guys wearing these shirts out there. Uh, I don't know if you guys are getting questions about them when you wear them out. I get questions when I wear this out and about. People ask where I got it from. So hopefully you guys are too and you can tell them. There's this awesome gaming website that they should all visit. Uh, should I share the runner-up? Um, sure. Yeah? I mean, if you want. Well, actually, there was two that tied for the runner-up. Two runner-ups. Runner okay, yeah. I'll share them. So, both these scored exactly the same between Matt and I. Joseph LaRussa at BlizzCon. Bring that one up. Yep, so that was a runner-up. One mm -hmm. of the runner-up. And the second runner-up was number 10, SJOS at the Vegas Esports Arena. So thank you guys. I, I, I can tell that some of you guys really put a lot of time and thought into these, and I really, really appreciate it. You guys really captured the spirit of what I was going after. So I think this was awesome. I wish I could do stuff like this more often, and maybe we'll start trying to think of ways to get you guys involved more. Mm -hmm. But it was fun. It was cool. You guys did a great job. So thank you very much. Uh, Mike's Q, I'll be contacting you very soon. Time for the Sifted Graffiti Contest. Hey, I would win that one. <laughs> yeah, but... We already did a thing about people getting arrested. Right, and then I would get her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's just let's just forget about that. But Sam, thank you for going through all these. Thanks, you guys, for taking the time to do this and all the work that you put into it. You guys did a great job. Um, you know, I'll say this. You know, my wife was uh, standing over my shoulder last night as I was collecting all these, and she was blown away by this. 
Um, because, you know, she, she knows about Sifted and she knows what I do. She knows all the hours that I work and all the time I dedicate to it. But she never gets to see, like, the response. Mm. And for her to see, like, these shirts that we made, like, in Australia and, like, in Ireland, it blows her away. And believe me, folks, you want my wife on your side. <laughs> Let me just say, she's a very important part of my life. And uh, you want her to be as positive about Sifted as possible, as do I. So, there you go. That's Game Face episode 149. I think another epic episode of the show. Uh, I had a great time on the show. Hopefully you guys had a great time watching. Again, thanks to everybody who participated in uh, the photo competition. Um, I will say we are going to have a flash sale uh, for Black Friday on the shirts on Friday. It's not going to be that long. It's going to be probably like a handful of hours and we're going to drop the price of the shirts for like five bucks for Black Friday. Uh, so hopefully you guys can pick them up and we can get over breaking even. We actually make a little bit of money off our shirts. That would be awesome. Uh, YouTube folks, thank you for watching the show. Um, as always, in the description, there's a way that you can give us a free $2.50 every month or even better, contribute to our Patreon. Uh, some of you guys have been watching Game Face now for several years for free on YouTube, and maybe as like a holiday or Christmas gift to us, you can kick us a little money for a couple months. Is that too much to ask? Yeah. They might want a trailer of the week, though. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We still have to do our trailer of the week and our Q&A. Yeah. It was the... I got so excited. It's like, I felt like you were wrapping up. Man. I, I was, was kind of like, wrapping up. Yeah. So we do have a trailer of the week, but it is really, really short. This is like, it's like 20 seconds long. So if you want to ask us any questions, get them into the chat right now. Um, this is the trailer for Borderlands 2 VR, which I normally would never ever pick for a trailer of the week. But what's cool about this is it's a live mm -hmm. action trailer set in the Borderlands universe. It's really the first time you've kind of seen Borderlands come alive in the real world, which well, is why Gear I chose Gearbox has done a lot of stuff with like live action cosplayers in the past. Like they've had a really good relationship with people who cosplay the characters in this series. Yeah. Um, and they've used them for professional, you know, production stuff. So yeah. Is it just continuing the? This is tradition. big budget, though. Yeah, they've they've they've. Uh, this is the thing they've continually done with Borderlands since I think around two, and uh, you know they're stepping it up as they move forward. I can't wait to see what they do with Borderlands three. Hopefully, it's just not just a bunch of people cosplaying loot boxes. <laughs> that is about as easy a costume as you can create. So anyway, here it is: live action commercial for Borderlands two VR. There you go. Short and sweet. Pretty quick. Yep, pretty quick. But you guys are even quicker. You got your questions into the chat, and we're ready to answer them. Uh, Don Linehart, thank you for subscribing with Twitch Prime. We appreciate it. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say before we move on is we're going to be game streaming a lot more going forward. Uh, we just streamed Pokemon Let's Go this past Saturday. Played the first, like, 90 minutes of it or whatever. Um, and we are, like, full-on OBS. Did you get to see the stream at all? Mm -mm. So we have, like, everything hooked up now. When people subscribe, there are alerts that pop up on screen, like, the whole nine. I spent two days working on it, trying to figure <laughs> it out, and I figured it all out. Um, unfortunately, with Game Face, because we do it through a TriCaster, 
it won't work because you have to send it through OBS for it to get kind of those triggers for those alerts. Uh, so we can't have as much fun on Game Face, but hopefully the show makes up for it. But we're going to be game streaming a lot more going forward, so keep an eye out for it. If you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you do that, at Sifted Games, um, and you'll get an alert when we're ready to go live. Or just follow us here on Twitch, and you should get an email alert if you have it set up correctly. All right, let's get to the questions. W. Matthew, as always, got to answer one of his um, let's go is not a mainline game because simplified post game and less deep team building. Uh, lack of held items. Yes, held items totally mm. changes how some Pokemon play. That's true. Lack yeah. of natures. Yeah. What they, does that mean? They have natures. Those are stat modifiers. Uh, yeah, well, the the different, uh, like you, Pokemon have like they're either active or they're aggressive or they're shy or they're like that. They do have those in Let's Go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think they affect them as strongly as they do in the main games. That, like, they, they determine kind of how the stats build. It's harder, like, if a, like a, uh, a shy Pokemon doesn't raise its, uh, its attack stats as readily when it levels up. I think that's part of it. Um, he says, lack of abilities. Passive skills that totally can change how a Pokemon is used. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Um... I mean, like, like I guess teaching them the, the HM stuff? I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. That might oh, be either. beyond my expertise. Um, and then finally, lack of doubles battle in multiplayer. Default rule set. That is a big deal in tournament stuff. Basically, Let's Go could not make the jump to tournament the tournament scene for Pokemon. That's kind oh, of yeah. the that's kind of the defining thing, I think, on a, on a really basic level. Is that like, makes sense. Is like it wouldn't, you know... It It'll would, never be used for competitive play. Right. Okay. And that is a big deal to the hardcore. I could guess. understand that, but it's still, they're just being petty and childish. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, in terms of, like, brigading the thing, sure, but if, like, that's what you get out of Pokemon... If you don't want to buy it, fine. That's Yeah. But to go and, like, carpet bond the reviews is insane. But, hey, yeah, what, I don't else, think, what else do I expect at this point? I don't think any, everybody who doesn't like the... I don't think W. Matthews going out and carpet right. bombing reviews. I mean, yeah. so if you don't like it, you don't like it. I wasn't going to buy it either... But I ended up getting it because I was refu I refused to buy Fallout 76, and I don't want to pay money for B Battlefield 5 at launch. And I was like, well, I, I gotta I gotta play something in November <laughs> because otherwise I'm just gonna be sitting here on the couch while you talk about everything. Right. Yeah. So I decided to go for Pokemon, and I'm glad I did. Yeah, worked out. You weren't hype on it. No, first. I wasn't. Uh, the leg the legacy. Which game annoys you more with its realistic mechanics? Kingdom Come Deliverance or Red Dead Redemption 2? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, man. Thank you very much. Hmm. Matt, you're going to have to answer this because I have not played Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come. Um, I think Kingdom Come has more annoying gameplay concepts in it, although that was mitigated a bit when they patched in the ability to save more easily. Mm -hmm. But Red Dead Redemption is more irritating because it's closer to being like phenomenal. Okay. Like... If you could iron out the annoying parts of both those games, Red Dead Redemption 2 would be a f much better game. And it's more frustrating to me in the sense that I can see why some of the issues are in Kingdom Come Deliverance because of what they were trying to do. Budget, team size. Budget, team size, but also like kind of an obsessive thing trying to simulate some sort of reality element. But a lot of the f problems I have with Red Dead Redemption 2 are just sort of arbitrary presentational decisions that I think are just not necessary. Well, I think maybe the difference is is that in Red Dead they were decisions, 
And in, and in Kingdom Come, some of them might have been like shortcomings. That is all. That is possible. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, one of the. I think it was the lead. I think it was the lead tech guy for uh, EA Motive did a video where he like compared. Uh, basically stick response on the various uh, game, modern, you know, it's like AC Odyssey and a bunch of games with Red Dead Redemption 2 where like he, he you know moves the stick all the way to the right and then he l- notes how many frames it takes for the character to respond uh-huh. and it's like most of them are like 20 and like Red Dead Redemption is like 120 and 110 really? and, he's, and he's like he basically said like <laughs> he basically said like there's other parts in the game where it um, the response is faster so it's not a technical limitation it's a choice which is that like does not surprise me at all. Bite me. I, I, I think we knew that all. <laughs> no, I don't think that surprised me at all. But it was interesting to see like a guy who you know a, a, a you know a guy who develops for tech for a high profile you know developer sitting there saying like here's here's the difference and this is why it feels so mushy when you play Red Dead Redemption Two because every other game of its type responds like that. Yep. Destiny I think was like two. Destiny's response time is nothing. Like it's that's why it feels so snappy and good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Justin Horman, does Sony leaving E3 throw a wrench into the current marketing deals? Do you think Activision will have a direct video or a direct style video for Call of Duty and Destiny, or just move to Microsoft stage? That's a really good question. That's a really good question. But I think you just hit the nail on the head right there, which means Microsoft has it all. Every third party game. Think about it. Microsoft is dancing in the streets right now knowing Sony's not hmm. going to E3. They get everything. They get the pick of the litter. Every year, you guys may not know this, but every year it's a battle behind the scenes of who gets what third-party game. Is Microsoft or Sony? And the publishers play with Microsoft or Sony to get better slots. So they'll say, well, Microsoft is offering us the top of the D block. Um, what what will you do for us? Or they're gonna they're giving us a slot right after Gears, and they negotiate to try to get better spots in the press conferences. There's no, no no negotiation anymore. Microsoft gets them all, so now it can just pick and choose what it wants or does not want in its press conference, which is gigantic. Uh, I don't know if Sony's really thought this whole through. <laughs> like our our viewers just watching this stream came up with some really good stuff that it seems like Sony didn't even think about. Uh, what what about, makes me wonder if that deal is over. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, what about so, uh, throwing a wrench into the marketing deals? Maybe. I mean, presumably Sony pre-warned all their partners about this. Like, that's not a thing you really want. Unless the ESA went rogue on them. I mean, yeah, that's possible, which, uh, I guess. It's possible, but highly um, unlikely. But, like, uh, I feel like they, you know, everybody knew this, you know, internally knew this was coming down the pipeline at some point. So... Presumably, they figured out a way to, to soothe things over. If they told them like what their plan is beyond not being at E three, that like we're going to do this instead, and you'll get your exposure then. Um, you know, like no matter what and when and how Sony does their reveal of the PS five, it's going to have millions of people paying attention to it. And you know, these companies that maybe don't get the Sony stage at E three are going to get the Sony stage then, yeah. whenever that may be. And the and the the gamble, I think the gamble here, the the roll of the dice here for Sony is they're betting that not having that be at E3 is not going to make a difference in terms of engagement. Yeah. And I think they might not be wrong. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, Certainly Lyon. gives Microsoft a big chance. Absolutely. To do some, some hefty moves. I don't know if Sony thought this through. 
Uh, Don Lionheart, what is each of your favorite family holiday traditions? I'm assuming you're talking about Thanksgiving, because we have time to talk about Christmas or whatever you celebrate at the end of the year. We don't really have Did you any. have any family Not traditions? Not really. Um, my mom would make uh, Yorkshire pudding uh, for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So that's a tradition. I guess that's, that's the good. closest tradition we get. And it's actually real Yorkshire pudding, not like the weird American version. It's like this. It's a recipe handed down from the the old English side of the family. <laughs> so like when we do Yorkshire pudding and people that are used to American Yorkshire pudding come over, they're like, "What the hell is that?" It's like that's real Yorkshire pudding. That's sit so down, legit. sit yeah. down, and have some gravy, son. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like that. That's, that's that's a thing I associate with with holiday stuff. So I like that. Uh, my I'm not going to have any of it this week, but there we go. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm not going home for Thanksgiving either. But uh, my mom makes... Uh, my my mom's side of the family is Italian. My great-grandmother and grandfather literally came through Ellis Island from Italy, from Sicily, uh, into the United States. And they brought a lot of recipes with them. And uh, a lot of the recipes that they, that they brought with them were for bread. So my mom makes... This thing called stachata. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it's this. She makes like the dough in a in a bowl, and then she spreads it out onto like a greased baking sheet, and then puts like salt and pepper on top of it, and then bakes it. And it is just ridiculously good. And then she also makes homemade rolls that have been handed down in my family for like centuries, mm. and um, they're like people fight over those. So <laughs> she makes those at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, or whatever. Uh, bread, I guess, really is. Yeah, I mean, home-baked bread. It's hard to get the better bomb. than that. Absolutely. Uh, let's go answer a couple more. Uh, Super Cordon Blue. Uh, do you expect the Xbox One X to stick around as the base console after MS announces the Xbox Two? Uh, would be a shame for MS to never really realize the X's potential completely. Well, I don't think I think the X becomes irrelevant once the Xbox Two comes out. Well, it becomes the old console. I yeah. th- but I think it's going to be like the PlayStation Four, where everything that's released for the next console is still going to run. Yeah, on it's the still going to work. Yeah, it's just going to run better and. Work I think better it'll still work one. on like the base Xbox One. For the most too, part, actually. until you hit a point where like you really are using some kind of tech that can't be replicated. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think. I think the only real reason to upgrade to a new new console for quite some time is going to be you want that 60 frames per second, you want the full 4K, you want the high-res texture pack. Um, I think everything's going to stay pretty backwards compatible as we move forward. Uh, Joaquim Dragoon, any other game that can scratch the Skyrim itch other than Skyrim? Mm. I, mean, I think The Witcher scratches the itch. Sort of. I mean, in terms of like a big, broad fantasy world thing, yeah. And it's not like you're, you know, I like The Witcher's combat fine, but it's, you know, it's not like you're dealing with two gleaming paragons of combat <laughs> design in either of those games, you know. Definitely not. Um, yeah, I mean, those are pretty good. Uh, if you can tolerate the jankiness of, like, of Two Worlds 2, that wasn't, like, a terrible facsimile. It is kind of crazy, though, that there aren't more Skyrim clones. I mean, the design is cloned, but yeah. not, like, high fantasy setting. Yeah, and... Well, they're hard to make. Yeah, I mean, there is a reason Bethesda's games are full of bugs, because they're hard <laughs> to make. And, like, usually the kind of the scope and, the, and the, the atmosphere and the immersion of those games makes up for the technical problems you have to fight over. But like you said with Fallout 76, you can't just reload the save and try to get past that part again. You have to live with the technical problem that screwed you over. Yep. So that is that is a big morale hit if you're playing a game like that. I don't I don't know if there is a Skyrim equivalent that really matches up, um, unless you're talking about like 
one of those total conversion mods for Skyrim. You know, there's a couple of Skyrim mods that, like, for PC and I guess on Xbox that, um, you know, like Forgotten City and stuff that are basically like 20 hour like things that people have made just off that. Um, I guess the real testament to that is that like I hadn't played Skyrim in a long time and then when the special edition came out and I got it for free on Steam because I already had the old one. I loaded it up to see what it looked like, and then I played it for eighty hours. <laughs> like that's it, a testament to it. It's great just game. like, yeah, there's not a whole lot like it. Yeah. Oh, I should also mention that um, while I was working on all this stuff for OBS, I also uploaded emoticons. Huh. So we have an emoticon for Sifted. If you guys are Twitch Prime subscribers, so. like the S. Nope. Is I'm it? not going to tell people what it is until somebody uses it. Is it Father Shane? No, it's not. You probably couldn't see that on an emoticon. <laughs> but there is an emoticon that's active. Oh, someone just used it. <laughs> there it is. Oh, I thought that was Frankenstein when people no, used it. People had it before. It's Pactor. There it is. Now everyone's firing it off. Yep, there you go. There are other emoticons as well, but you have to... I don't even know if it's even possible to use them. You have to subscribe yeah. for like $20 or something insane. <laughs> That's I just, I just uploaded them and just, just in case. Is that Pactor's face when he realizes that Fallout 76 is not going to be a 90 plus on Metacritic? <laughs> it might be. Well, no, then he wouldn't be green with Envy, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. We'll answer one or two more. Uh, Mitchell is alive. Any games you guys planning on playing in your back catalog over the holidays? Anything you regret not playing or not playing enough of when it came out? No. No backlog stuff for me. I mean, unless you're talking about Christmas. We're a little early for the Christmas questions. If you're talking about Thanksgiving, I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to be playing Battlefield Five. <laughs> I mean, I'll probably still be playing Just Cause 4 when Christmas comes around. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's talking about Thanksgiving break. Because for most people, they have like four or five yeah. days off. I don't know what that's like anymore, but most people have like a four or five day weekend coming I'm, up. I'm probably just going to keep playing Pokemon. I'll finish Pokemon. Um, I'm pretty close to the end. And then I'll, I have to play Battlefield over Thanksgiving. I don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> you seem real happy about that. <laughs> I, I, that whole thing looks like a train wreck to me. I mean, I might jump in on it like in March when the Battle Royale thing shows up and they have put more content in and finish the campaign. Like, what the fuck? Like, I ain't paying 60 bucks for that. I don't blame you. Like, I don't come on. And I'm a fan of Battlefield. I, like, I played the beta. I really liked what I played in the beta, but that ain't a finished game you're charging me for. Because I can't, I can't do it. Uh, Veritas, if you live in the L.A. area, is a $70 ticket to the Game Awards worth it? <laughs> you're putting us in an awkward position. Mm, I wouldn't. But... That's partly because I could probably just email Jeff and get in. Yeah. Um, but would you spend $70 to go? I mean, here's the $70? thing, though. There will be a lot of developers there, people that maybe people don't have a chance to ever meet. I guess. But then they, would they meet them? Probably not. It's not like a meet and greet thing. You, well, really. there's an after party, but the way the after party is set up, it's... I don't want to say it's lame, because I love Jeff, but it's kind of lame. Because... <laughs> Because, like, all the people that everybody wants to interact with are up in this VIP area. Mm -hmm. And then everybody who actually spent money to go to the show is, like, down yeah. on the floor. 
And it's this thing where the people on the floor are like looking up at like the VIP people. I don't know. It's weird. I understand why it's there because there are probably some developers that don't want people to have. I mean, in all honesty, with the crazy stuff that's happening in our society right now, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of weird when you go. And so people who may be going to the show to hope that maybe they could talk to their favorite developer or whatever, I would say the chances of that are pretty slim. Yeah. However, you will be very close to them, and they'll walk past you and go up on stage. So you'll be able to see them. But I would just say don't spend the money if you're doing it because you think you're going to meet your favorite game developer. Yeah. Also, like, maybe... Like, meet, you, like, talk to. Yeah, if you can get, like a group together it might be willing to do that yeah, yeah. if fun. you could cr- roll with a crew of like five of your friends you probably have a good time yeah because the after party is fun it's like open bar and whatnot so even after the show's over you can go and party and listen to music and play games and all that uh, so if you can get a crew together i'd say go for it uh let's see one more if we can find one J. Reed Vic 7, last question of the night. Is perhaps the primary reason Bethesda is willing to go to the mat to keep using, I love that, go to the mat, to keep using long outdated engine and tools, the fact that on PC a huge amount of their sales likely come from millions of people who buy at full price just to mod their games and Bethesda's reluctance to give up that advantage. I always have to ponder J. Reed Vic's questions. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, people mod everything. Like, if. People can dig into GTA 5 and GTA 4 and mod those things as hard as they do. Like, I don't think that would stop the mod scene with a, a, a you know, new engine with Bethesda. People will do it. People, you know, especially because, you know, at this point, it's just sort of a given that there's going to be a fan patch that makes the game work properly. <laughs> like, there's the unofficial fan patch for Skyrim and the one for Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. Like, there's always that kind of, like, if you only get one thing, get this one patch that fixes all these things that Bethesda's never going to fix. Right. Um... I don't see the community walking away from that just because the engine changes. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, maybe they are trying to stick with it because they've cludged together that, you know, the 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 creators club thing or whatever. Like, the you know, they don't want to rebuild that on a new engine. That could be part of it. That's gross, if that's true. Um, so, yeah, maybe that, maybe that it's part of it. Like, they've had this, they got this paid mod thing in place that they don't want to, like, have to rebuild on a new engine. That could be a thing because I think that took a long time to get working. Um, I don't know. Make make better, make better games with better combat. That's really all I want. I don't know. I don't care how you do it. <laughs> all right, that's it. This time, this is really the close of the show. Uh, game Face One Forty Nine is in the books. As I said earlier, if you're watching on YouTube, directions <clears throat> down below. You can give us a free two dollars and fifty cents with Twitch Prime. Although I really would hope that you guys could, would consider uh, pledging to our Patreon. Uh, could use the help and if you guys have been watching Pactor Factor and Game Face for free on YouTube for years now uh, maybe kick us a dollar or two for the holidays so Matt and I can buy a beer or something Hmm. that that would be awesome so anyway thanks to again to everybody who uh, competed in the photo contest you guys all did a great job Uh, I really am impressed with what you guys did and your creativity and your dedication to it and Mike's Q will be reaching out to you very soon about your free game so everybody have a great night have a safe awesome fun, family, and friend-filled Thanksgiving. We'll see you on the other side. Game Face is up and out.